Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Charlie Higson, and you're listening to Failed Critics. Well, that was us being introduced by Charlie Higson as we're going up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, James, how did he react to um, being pestered by you for that? Um, I bought a book and asked him to sign that, and this was kind of like as an afterthought. So I thought I'd put in the hard work. Uh, and he was he was actually a very nice man with a very interesting line in ways to scare his own children. So got a lot of ideas from him. Good man. Did Did he ask you what failed critics was? Did you have to explain it to him? No, he, uh, he was actually quite on the ball there. I just He'd heard of us. That, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, uh, Paul Whitehouse recommended it. So yeah. no, um, no, I said, I'm from a, a small website podcast, humble as ever. Uh, and I'd be really honoured if he could do that for any, do you know what? Such a pro, one take, one take like that. He was done. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the cali- the calibre of man we're dealing with. Yeah. Yes, that is James Diamond, uh, who met Charlie Higson this week at Zombie Fest. I think that's what it was called, yeah. wasn't it? Which he'll tell us about. It comes, comes under many names, but yeah. yes. Zombie Slam, Royal Rumble Zombies, <laughs> Zombie Mania, <laughs> something like that. And yeah. we're also joined by Jerry McCauley. Hello. And our resident zombie and undead expert, Owen Hughes. Hello. And I am, of course, Steve Norman. and. Yes, this week is a zombie special. No new release to review, but James will tell you what is going to happen. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, this week um, ties in with uh, this is the first episode of Fail Critics where we've decided that because there isn't, well, basically none of us, none of us want to go and see Twilight. Um, and basically we're going to just change it up a little bit with the podcast. So this is the first one without a main review, but it tied in with the UK Festival of Zombie Culture. Uh, it's also known as the Day of the Undead, which took place in Leicester this weekend. I'm going to report back on that. We're going to have a bit of discussion about zombies, uh, everything zombie-related, and finally come on to a triple bill where we all choose our three favourite zombie films. Excellent. Um, no quote quiz this week. Oh, wow, some zombie theme quiz. Come on, uh, I've got, because I've got is something. I've got, I've got something else in mind. <laughs> I've this, got a quiz for you. Then. No, I've got a quiz no. question. I'm going to oh, jump oh, in oh. there. Which was the first zombie film that featured as the first zombie to say brains? You know where they go brains. Okay, hang on. Um, Day of the Dead. Nope. Brain I'm dead. Say Peter Jackson's Brain Dead. I said it nope. first. It's a good guess with Day of the Dead, because that's the one where they first start talking, or sort of saying words, but no, it wasn't Day of the Dead. You can have a guess, Steve? Night of the Living Dead. No. It was, that was close, along the right lines, it was Return of the Living Dead. Ah. First one, with the the tart melting man thing in the basement. Ah. His brains. Does that mean Owen gets... Point on I get a point. <laughs> well, <laughs> my own quiz. <laughs> well, not not really, because I did have something else in mind. 
Alright, oh, uh, so just jumped in all over. <laughs> you, you three are gonna have to do your best zombie impression, and the one I think's the best gets a point. Oh. So, Owen, that's the, our resident zombie expert. I think you should go first. Yeah, I'm not hey, Marcus, an impressionist, though. Uh, brains! Is that creepy enough? <laughs> it, it was, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Jerry? Uh, and yeah, when you spat your mouthwash out, then you can do it properly. <laughs> and James. That just sounds like you're trying to get out of a chair. <laughs> I'm gonna to have to give a point. To, yeah, I'm gonna to have to give the point to Jerry. His was by far the most disturbing. <laughs> that was the addition of a proper piece of paper to sound like shuffling feet. Exactly. Just... Oh, is that, oh, so he's thinking outside the box. I like he it. Is. Oh, mine was relatively small budget. I was thinking like the Living Dead. <laughs> Keep right, James, Zombie Slam or whatever it was called that you went to. Tell us all about that. What happened? Yeah. Review some films and stuff. Okay. Believe it, it's the sixth annual UK Festival of Zombie Culture. Um, is it always in Leicester? It, yes, it is. Oh. Uh, they, it's always in Leicester. They've struck up a very good working relationship with the Phoenix Arts Centre, which is my local art cinema, uh, and they've always been very welcoming. So, um, but yeah, every year they, they do show a decent number of films. Now, this year it was really interesting because... For the first year ever, the majority of the films are actually British. Um, and it seems maybe there's been a slight renaissance in British zombie films. I'm not sure, but, uh, they had six, um, featured films. One of them was about a 40 minute feature, uh, but five proper features and then a number of shorts. Really, really good. The, the actual festival itself has got a load of things like you can meet certain authors who are there to sign books. And it wasn't. Hello, I'm Charlie Higson and you're listening to Failed Critics. Well, that was us being introduced by Charlie Higson as we're going up in the world. <laughs> uh, James, how did he react to, um, being pestered by you for that? Um, I bought a book and asked him to sign that and this was kind of like as an afterthought so I thought I'd put in the hard work uh, and he was he was actually a very nice man with a very interesting line in ways to scare his own children so got a lot of ideas from him, good man Did did he ask you what failed critics was? Did you have to explain it to him? No, he, uh, he was actually quite on the ball there I just He'd heard of us that, uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, obviously Yeah, yeah no, I mean, uh, <laughs> Paul Whitehouse recommended it. So yeah. no, um, no, I said I'm from a, a small website podcast, humble as ever, uh, and I'd be really honoured if he could do that. For any, he would, do you know what? Such a pro, one take, one take like that, he was done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the cali- the calibre of man we're dealing with. Yeah. Yes, that is James Diamond, uh, who met Charlie Higson this week at Zombie Fest. I think that's what it was called, yeah. wasn't it? Which he'll tell us about. It comes under many names, but yeah. yes. Zombie Slam, Royal Rumble Zombies, <laughs> Zombie Mania, something like that. And yeah. we're also joined by Jerry McCauley. Hello. And our resident zombie and undead expert, Owen Hughes. Hello. And I am, of course, Steve Norman. And yes, this week 
is a zombie special. No new release to review, but James will tell you what is going to happen. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, this week um, ties in with uh, this is the first episode of Fail Critics where we decided that because there isn't, well, basically none of us, none of us want to go and see Twilight. Um, and basically we're going to just change it up a little bit with the podcast. So this is the first one without a main review, but it tied in with the UK Festival of Zombie Culture. Uh, it's also known as the Day of the Undead, which took place in Leicester this weekend. I'm going to report back on that. We're going to have a bit of discussion about zombies uh, everything zombie related and finally come on to a triple bill where we all choose our three favourite zombie films excellent um, no quote quiz this week wow oh, zombie themed quiz come on uh, I've got, because I've got something I've got, I've got something else in mind <laughs> I've got a quiz for you then. No, I've got a quiz no. question I'm going to oh, jump oh. in there which was the first zombie film that featured as the first zombie to say brains. You know, where they go, brains. Okay, hang on. Um, Day of the Dead. Nope. Brain I'm Dead. I'm going to say Peter Jackson's Brain Dead. Well, I said it nope. first. It's a good guess with Day of the Dead, because that's the one where they first start talking, or sort okay. of saying words, but no, it wasn't Day of the Dead. You can have a guess, Steve? Night of the Living Dead. No. Nope. It was that was close along the right lines. It was Return of the Living Dead, oh. the first one with the, the tar melting man thing in the basement. Oh. His brains. Oh, yeah. I, I, Does that mean Owen gets point on our I get point. <laughs> well, <laughs> my own quiz. Well, not not really because I did have something else in mind. Uh, all right, <laughs> so just jumped in all over. <laughs> you, you three are going to have to do your best zombie impression, and the one I think the best gets a point. Oh, so. Oh, and that's the, our resident zombie expert. I think you should go first. Yeah, I'm no, not an impressionist, though. Uh, <laughs> brains! Is that creepy enough? <laughs> it, it was, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Jerry? <laughs> and, yeah, when you spat your mouthwash out, then you can do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> and James. That just sounds like you're trying to get out of a chair. <laughs> I'm gonna to have to give a point Touché, to Steve. yeah. I'm gonna to have to give the point to Jerry. His was by far the most disturbing. That was the addition of a prop of a piece of paper to sound like shuffling feet. Exactly. Just... Oh, is that... oh, so he's thinking outside the box. I like he it. Is. Oh, mine was relatively small budget. I was thinking like <laughs> the living dead. <laughs> Keep. Right. James, Zombie Slam, or whatever it was called that you went to. Tell us all about that. What happened? Yeah. Review some films and stuff. Okay. I believe it's the sixth annual UK Festival of Zombie Culture. Um, is it always in Leicester? Is... Yes, it is. Uh, it's always in Leicester. They've struck up a very good working relationship with the Phoenix Arts Centre, which is my local art cinema, uh, and they've always been very welcoming. So, um, but yeah, every year they they do show a decent number of films. Now, this year it was really interesting because for the first year ever, the majority of the films are actually British, um, and it seems maybe there's been a slight renaissance in British zombie films. I'm not sure, but uh, they had six 
um, featured films. One of them was about a 40-minute feature, uh, but five proper features, and then a number of shorts. Really, really good. They're, the actual festival itself has got a load of things, like you can meet certain authors who are there to sign books. And it wasn't just Charlie Hickson, but a load of people there all day signing their zombie books. You could buy DVDs. You could get yourself made up to look like a zombie. They had loads of people with makeup on as well. There's a very um, impressive bloke who turned up with scaffolding through his chest, and he literally wandered the halls going, I kind of like like bumped him out of the way a couple of times because he was getting him away in the queue for a drink and stuff like that. But um, so that that that's what it was about. It was a nice, friendly atmosphere and things. But ultimately, we were there to watch films. First up was the world premiere of the HD restoration of uh, is it Lucio Fulci? Would you would you say that's correct? Yes, Lucio Fulci's Zombie Two without an E but known in the UK famously as Zombie Flesh Eaters. It was one of the original kind of video nasties at the time. Is it, you're watching it now, you think, there's not... Wasn't that the film that made some video nasties? Um, it, it was in that first tranche. I don't think Zombie Flesh Eaters was one of the... I don't think it was ever actually banned. Um, I think it was one of the ones of concern. I think, mm. and we talked about Cannibal Holocaust before, I think that was one of the yeah. video nasties. And there were some others that we don't even really know about because they were just terribly, terribly exploitative, low-budget horror films with no kind of real redeeming features. But this actually has a lot of redeeming features. It's... Um, as Owen pointed out to me, I made a mistake on Twitter. It's actually the unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead, not Night of the Living Dead. Um, it's been restored for a Blu-ray release to be released, I think, on the 9th of December. And first off, the restoration looks fantastic. The images are really clear. And the guy who introduced it, who organises Zombie Festival, said, uh, obviously, he first saw it on video. This is the first time I'd seen it, but he first saw it on video, with, which was terrible quality. And then they bought out a DVD a decade ago or so ago, which was also not great quality. But this looks really good without looking too cleaned up. It still looks like a 70s film, but a 70s film that was made on a nice budget and has been well looked after, basically. I, I so that's my research on this, by the way. Yeah. The uncut, like, the whole version of it was only released uh, in 2005. There you go. That, so yeah. that that must have been the DVD then that was released, which was uncut. Now, um... I went in expecting... I'm a really big fan of Dawn of the Dead, um, the original one. And I went in basically expecting a lesser film, like someone who went, oh, Dawn of the Dead's good, let's just make a quick Italian knockoff of it. But it's... I was really, really pleasantly surprised. few things um, that you do need to know going in. Some of the dubbing is bad. Uh, and I've been, watched a few <laughs> Italian giallo films recently so i'm used to that now i'm used to the fact that basically when they were out on location the, the sound quality wasn't recorded properly so they had to go into a studio and redub it and it doesn't quite fit sometimes i'm used to that now and some of the acting in it is of the melodramatic kind um <laughs> some of the acting is pretty over and it's also, there's also the brilliant musical cues which are really close to parody like they'll be walking along and all of a sudden kind of thing on the music okay something bad's about to happen that's yeah um but the reason that this film exists and the reason it's so good is that it has fantastic zombie effects and it has brilliant zombie set pieces which really is what we're there for um the zombies genuinely look like decomposing corpses there are some really quite disturbing zombies in this film 
And a few modern zombie films seem to think they're a bit of white makeup and some blood on the chin. There you go, there's a zombie kind of... But no, these look like the decomposing corpses that have been reanimated and come back to life. And that that's really important. And there's also some genuinely horrific scenes in it. And there is one scene which I know, you know, if you've seen it, you know, if I just say it's the worst scene featuring an eyeball since Shen <laughs> Andalou, it is just, just horrible. And it made me cringe. Um, but, but it works in the context of the film. Uh, and also, if, if it wasn't enough, there's a zombie fighting a shark in this film <laughs> underwater for about five minutes. <laughs> and, <laughs> after a sort of na- semi-naked... Yeah, uh, after a woman goes um, scuba diving topless um, yeah. and gets chased off by a zombie, the zombie <laughs> and the shark have a fight. And it's genuinely a man in zombie makeup fighting with a shark. It's, n- it's not like Jaws. It's not, it, there's a man with a shark there and he's trying to bite the shark it, I, and I was watching thinking, how the hell did, did they do this it's brilliant see well it does go on for about five minutes but I, I loved every second of it basically so, yeah. if you put someone in the water to fight a shark I think they deserve five minutes of some yes, film time definitely. <laughs> which have been a bit harsh to make yeah. them actually go and bite a shark and then just have it as a little so, yeah we've just yeah, we cut, <laughs> yeah that's made the cutting room floor now so um yeah, so that's what I thought of that. And Owen, I know you're a fan of Zombie Flesh Eaters and you were very excited that I was getting to see this. Mm, yeah. Or well, it's, <laughs> it's actually part of my triple bill later. It's a bit of a spoiler for oh, okay. you there. Yeah, because it is one of my favourite zombie films. Um, I, it, it's probably my favourite Fulcher film, although I've not seen too many of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely love it. The, it's interesting that the first time that I saw it, I wasn't that keen on it. I watched it and I thought the bit on the boat at the beginning with the cops and the, the yeah. zombie, that was brilliant. I loved that bit. And then it has a bit of a lull, the film. Yeah. And it doesn't really kick in again until probably that shark scene, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then it really does go. And it's, it's interesting because it's quite different from a lot of other zombie films because it's a lot of it's set in quite an exotic location and that that's quite rare for a zombie film because it takes you out of like oh what would i do at home but it actually in this for this film it works because you're drawn into the characters there but also there's some brilliant scenes of new york um there's just some really nice iconic scenes at the beginning and the end which just works so well um almost kind of walking dead-esque i know i really really enjoyed it um Following that, there are a number of short films. And I've put a, I've put a report up on the failcritics.com website with a few links to the short films which are available to watch online. But um, my problem with some of these zombie short films that were being made is that they seem to think that a zombie scene counts as a short film. And it's like, no, I've got... There was one that was vic- called Victorian Dead, Undead, which was t- exactly as you might imagine. It's just zombie scenes set in Victorian times. And it looked really nice. zombies have top hats on. Yeah, one of them did. A massive kind of lamb chop mullet type thing (laughs) and stuff like that. The zombie ride a penny farthing and chase after someone. No, they didn't actually. But they looked like a a stagecoach robbery had taken place or something like that. Um, And it was probably, and it it did look really good. But essentially, I didn't know who the characters were. So I had no, there was no story there. It was like an action scene from a much bigger film. Um, There was also a, a, short film made in Loughborough, which I really wanted to like, but again, I'd say once the zombie bits kicked in, it felt 
unbelievable. I know I'm talking about a zombie film, but uh, <laughs> it started off quite promisingly. But if you if you're going to have zombies, the makeup needs to look good and it needs to be believable. Uh, that that's the problem. One I did see, which was fantastic, which really did remind me of the that first series of Walking Dead that I watched. Which called, it's called Velvet Road, um, and it's set in kind of the racially charged U.S. South of the 1960s, and it's exploring race amongst a zombie apocalypse. It's just a 12-minute film, beautifully blue, beautifully shot. Really does owe a debt to um, Walking Dead. But that, if you ever get a chance to watch that, I definitely recommend that. Um, there was a short film called Smush from the team behind Deadheads, Owen. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. we actually talked about it on here. Was, was ah, okay, it I think Steve so. Steve who watched it? Or was he going to watch it? I can't remember. Which one's that, sorry? But anyway, yeah. Deadheads. Um, the sort of road trip zombie comedy thing. No, I've not seen that. Uh, okay. There's a character called Cheese in that film, and apparently, like, I've still not seen it, but this is like a kind of origin story or something of Cheese. But it was actually a really sweet film of a little girl um, befriending a zombie and feeding him, and then he comes to arrest. It was it was a really nice, uh, nice one actually. The other short one I want to mention is a four part web series called Bumbloods. I don't know if you've heard of that, Owen. No, what's it called? Bumbloods. Bumbloods. One word, B-U-M-B-L-O-O-D-S. Uh, it's a four-part web oh. series. And it's I just probably very... won't be Googling that, actually, Bumbloods. Not a work, no. no. <laughs> no. It's, I'll tell you what, I've linked to it on my Facebook okay. on Great. there. Um, but yeah, it's it's actually quite Shaun of the Dead-esque. It's about two roommates. It's American, but it's about two roommates who are dealing with a zombie apocalypse. Uh, very low budget. And a few of the jokes are really poor and telegraphed, but there's a few really genuinely great jokes in there. And each episode is only about three or four minutes long. So that's definitely worth a look as well. Um, then there was the first ever Israeli zombie film called Muralim, which was also a, a zombie in the style of Shaun of the Dead. And it's the story of an army, um, army base gardener, who is the son of a war hero, who has to face down a horde of zombie soldiers during Passover, um, while trying to win the heart of his high school sweetheart, who uh, also works at the army base. Really funny, and also an exploration into how the military can poison the minds of soldiers into becoming a homogenous group of mindless beings who follow orders without question. So very deep. Um <laughs> After that was a new British zombie film called Before Dawn, which is directed by and starring uh, Dominic Brunt, who, if you've ever seen Emmerdale, is Paddy the Vet in Emmerdale, which shocked me. Because um, I, I have, I know who he is. Kind of like, you know how <laughs> some people kind of seep into your subconscious, and I may well have seen him at some point on TV. But um, him and his real life wife, uh, came up with the story and spent a year trying to get the funding for it. It's a really nice film, actually. Looks beautiful. It's set in the uh, Yorkshire Moors. It's about a couple who go away to a cottage for the weekend. They're an estranged couple with kids, and they're like having one last go at getting their marriage to work. And she goes out for a run one morning while they're there and um, gets bitten by a, a running zombie. Uh, this was my first issue but we'll come on to that. But it gets bit by a zombie and basically slowly becomes a zombie. Um, and it's this whole thing about how, as a couple, they were growing further apart and he's now trying to get closer to her now that she's been bitten by a zombie. It's, it's actually quite <laughs> really depressing at times. There's not a lot of outright humour in it. Um, and to be honest, some of the action scenes are 
both directed and edited with a bit of a lack of experience in how to do action. They're a bit confusing. But as a film, I I, I liked it. It was it was it was definitely one that I was happy I'd watched. Um, and later on, I'll come on to the whole kind of running zombies versus Romero zombies. My my main issue in this film, and this film is indicative of why I'm not a fan of running zombies. I'm not saying they're not zombies, but um, my problem is that this woman got uh, attacked by one running zombie. And for me, the the peril and the terror in a zombie film comes from the fact that you can beat one or two of them. Um but it's that slow, uh, yeah. As they build up and build up, and then you get overwhelmed by like a hundred of them. That's the terror for zombies for me. So, running zombies, kind of like, it's almost like they they miss out all the build up and the potential hope of beating the zombies. Go straight to that. Well, if one can kill me, then one or a hundred doesn't really matter. But with Romero style zombies, one or a hundred does matter. Does that make sense, Owen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm talking to you as the resident zombie expert, as obviously. The resident zombie. <laughs> and I know that I know. Yes, that I approve you your comment, James. You, yes, thank you. <laughs> but I also know that you actually liked the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake, and you haven't mm-hmm. got a problem with running zombies at all. No, I oh, mean, so. no, not particularly. Yeah. No, I haven't got anything against them specifically. I think it's the kind of one of these things that's just the next evolution of how zombies are used. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't always been Romero zombies. Before no. Romero zombies, there were zombies, you know? It's kind of just like... Do, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just grown into something different. Um, uh, we, yeah, we'll, di- we'll discuss that later on in the pod. But um, then Charlie Higson came and talked to us about his series of books called The Enemy. And he actually started off by saying that he feels a fraud because in these books, they're not strictly zombies because they are um, adults who have been affected by a disease all adults in the world have been affected by a disease and it's just children left who are unaffected and then he went on to talk about how the kind of the church of zombies has become a much broader church and it's come to mean human beings acting almost in a a, en masse in an irrational way in an apocalyptic setting so he's come to take it from that. But yeah, like he talks about his kids. He writes his books for his kids. He's got his youngest is ten. He and must he must be terrified of puberty if it's done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once you get puberty, that's it. You're a zombie. That's it. Yeah. Well, that was one. That was actually a really good point he made. He was talking about. He goes around to do lots of um, school. He does lots of um, readings at schools and like libraries with young people and stuff like that. Because he also wrote the Young James Bond series as well before mm. this. And he was talking about how horror is actually a genderless genre in terms of the fact that teenage girls and teenage boys both enjoy horror and will read horror. But sometimes different genres, and he's talking about how all these girls uh, that are 13, 14, they want to meet and like go out with a vampire because of, you know, they've seen Twilight and they think that all these 150 year old men who look like teenagers um, yeah, are ones to go for. And he said, actually, no you're going to fall in love with a teenage boy who is smelly, brainless, <laughs> shuffles. So you're going to fall in love with us. You're going to end up going out with a zombie. So he was saying uh, teenage girls want a vampire and they end up going out with zombies, which I thought was quite a nice little touch. Um, then next up, I got really excited about this, the uh, Esker trilogy. It's a British anthology of zombie stories with a linking narrative arc. Um 
And the first 10 minutes was beautifully shot, set in the woods, um, set in a kind of near future apocalyptic end of world vision where there's a man out in the woods who is carting dead people from the road to his compound and burning them. Uh, and a mysterious traveller comes along and he's carrying a book. And that book, he says, is stories to inspire people, stories about the end of the world that have happened, things that he's seen to inspire people to, to stick together and work together. And then it goes on to show three of the stories. Now, the big problem with this film, it was made for £15,000 and it must have at least 50 speaking parts in it they had to get some really poor actors in to film some of these. And honestly, some of the acting is... Uh, have any of you seen The Apprentice? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, like, that that week in The Apprentice where they have to make an advert? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the acting's kind of like in those adverts at times, uh, which really ups... Because I can... I can put up with a lot of things. I, I will forgive a lot of things in a low-budget film, especially a low-budget film which has got a lot of ambition. I'll put up with poor lighting, um, some poor equipment, maybe even poor sound at a push, but poor acting. I, it, it just draws me out of the film completely. I just sat there thinking, no, this is terrible. This is like a school project or something. And I felt so bad because the director came on, introduced it, um, they had like 700 people involved with the filming of it from the local communities who just wanted to help make a film, which is all well and good. But if it's shit, then, you know, what's, what have people been putting their effort into? To be, I just felt really bad because the beginning and end looked fantastic. It's just every time someone opened their mouth, it, it ruined it for me. And there were some really nice ideas, but compared to Before Dawn, which I watched earlier, well, they probably had a very similar budget. They didn't mention how much it was, but they stuck to two or three main speaking parts in just two locations, basically. Then they they focused their money on that and make it thought, well, let's make that look as good as possible. Um, So the problem with the Escatrilli, it tried to do too much and it ended up taking far too many shortcuts. And the music was like out of... uh, I can only assume it must have been inspired by something like Hellraiser 5 or 6. <laughs> it, it, it was it was like terrible 80s synth music, but like without the John Carpenter-esque flashes of genius to it. Was, oh, it's bad, unfortunately. And then um, the Blu-ray, they were showing it on stock loads towards the end. So um, someone had to go up and explain what quite happened at the end because we couldn't see it, which didn't help either. Mm. But I, at that point, I was like, do you know what? I don't really care. Uh, and then finally, for me, because I, I was I was pushing twelve hours at this point, so I watched the fifth film. I didn't go and watch the sixth film, but I watched Gangsters, Guns and Zombies, which sounds terrible. It's a low budget film. It's basically Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels meets Twenty Eight Days Later. It's derivative. It's unoriginal. But do you know what? I actually really laughed at it. Um, there's some genuinely funny lines, some entertaining and sympathetic characters. Well, the best thing in the world by a long shot. But it didn't take itself too seriously, and it made me laugh at about 10 o'clock at night. And that, considering I started there at 11 o'clock in the morning, that is no small feat. Sadly, I had to forego Cockneys versus Zombies. Um uh. I know I really want to see it, but at this point it was about quarter past 11 at night and there was a couple of things. And, okay, I don't want to insult anyone who likes horror films and things like that, but why do 
it was a, it was a minority, but a large minority, just stank. Okay. Just, <laughs> Owen, why do okay. you stink? <laughs> uh, <Okay>. I try <laughs> to imitate the dead. <laughs> oh, I know. There's so many people in clothes that hadn't been. I, so I was surrounded by a, a, a couple, but a couple with an overpowering smell. Also, the fact that the place had been open since 10 o'clock in the morning and the bar had been open since then meant during Gangsters, Guns and Zombies, people were actively heckling the screen. And I thought, I'm not going to enjoy Cockneys versus Zombies if these people have had yet more to drink so that was a little bit of a shame and a slight downer towards the end but a number of people have told me Pockneys versus zombies is actually pretty good uh and and very good fun so i am going to get it on dvd when i can but overall i, I really enjoyed the the zombie culture festival and uh yeah i'll, I'll go back there next year definitely yeah i'm very jealous mm. i want it to come to oxford there doesn't seem to be much in the way of zombie culture in oxford do you know what? Just come and stay with me next time, Owen. I'll, I'll come down to Leicester. I'll come up to Leicester. He does yeah. smell it right in flesh, though. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring check. some clean clothes. All right, then. That's fair enough. I'll have my yearly shower. <laughs> right then, James. What's next, then? Um, yeah. Well, it's just because this is a zombie special. Uh, and I thought... Uh, and it's quite interesting, because while Owen was offline reconnecting earlier... Uh, Jerry told me, asked me if he could have a particular choice uh, for his triple bill. And I said, yeah, I've already got it, even though its director says it's not a zombie film. So Owen already knows what I'm talking about here. Um, but then but I've been thinking, because I, I have been, I've been a bit harsh to the, the running zombies over our time on this podcast. Um, last week we spoke about the World War Z trailer and I it didn't look like a zombie trailer to me it looks like an end of the world apocalyptic trailer doesn't look very representative of the book and it didn't feel like necessarily like a zombie trailer so I just wanted to see what we'll I have a nice little round table discussion on what zombies actually mean to us what is a zombie film okay because as Quinn said earlier zombies have a kind of history in voodoo and Romero's zombies of coming back from the dead that was actually quite a if I understand it right, I mean, that was quite a new idea at the time. Um, sort of. I mean, there were, there were previous ones before then. I guess, like, um, one of the more well-known ones would be Plan 9 from Outer Space, mm. the Ed Wood film, where right. they were yeah. resurrected dead. But it, the, the whole idea of this resurrection... Um, of course, comes, that's been around for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but it could... I mean... This, it, with regards to kind of like zombie films, it comes from a lot of the science fiction um, and alien kind of okay, yeah. films that were around at the time. So it was all affected by radiation. It was the mm. environment that was causing them, and they were coming back from the dead because of like aliens or because it was like parasites and radiation and all kinds of different environmental things as well. Um, so it has been around for a long time, but the, the Romero zombies were different in that it was kind of like just a faceless horde of dead things. Mm. So, with, I mean, just to compare it to, like, the, the really corny zombies in uh, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, yeah. you know, that was, they were people, that was Bela Lugosi, who, well, it wasn't Bela Lugosi because he was dead, it was a stand-in, but it yeah. was, like, people dressing up in, and they were, pe- they were characters that turned into zombies, you know. They were people you saw as part of the narrative and then they were turned into these undead creatures. So, I mean, it was one of the first that actually just decided, like, these are just 
corpses that have risen from the graves. The first shot, of course, in Night of the Living Dead, which is his first film, is of like a graveyard with yeah. a you know dead guy walking around. So yeah, it, it, well, I suppose it was fairly unique rather than new. Mm. Yeah, a, a unique kind of twist on it. And it became the uh, the the trademark Romero zombie mm. became probably for a few decades the zombie uh that if you said zombie to anyone you know the whole brains musty brains kind of the shuffling mm-hmm. um that that was your typical zombie when, when did was was the remake of dawn of the dead the first kind of running zombies or 28 days later i suppose you know but yeah, 28 28 days later post, mm-hmm. post 2000 we didn't really have running zombies until the last decade then or so is that would that be fair yeah, and none that sort of spring to mind. I, I can't really think of any particularly in the same kind of crazed, yeah. crass, you know, menacing sort of zombies. You get different sorts of zombies. So in things like um, uh, Reanimator, for example, mm. yeah, the zombies are different. They're not Romero zombies. And you've got mm. things like Brain Dead, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. And even the Night of the Living Dead remake, they're not just these slow, shuffling you know, only have very basic memories of stuff. So, you know, they, they smash, like in Night of the Living Dead, they smash the car lights with a rock, you know, mm. so that's showing some kind of sophistication, I guess. Yeah. But they do get more, as it goes on, even in, actually, in um, in Romero's own Dead series, you know, by mm. Day of the Dead, they are pretty much in control of their own actions, almost. Right, they just yeah. act on instinct, but con- a bit more control. So, yeah, but the, I think you're right in the, the, the 28 Days Later. It was the first one I can think of where they're actually just these really fast uh, cannibals, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think part of that as well, um, it's got something to do with gaming, because Resident Evil, um, mm. the old Resident Evil games had, like, different types of zombies, didn't they? Yeah. And one of them was, like, some stupidly fast, crawly thing, what they call yeah. the yeah, yeah. Vickers. And that sort of the change of speeds was used in the game as like a dynamic, really. You know, you're used to these shuffling zombies and then suddenly you've got something that flies around really quick. And I think that, yeah. that filtered through eventually into sort of all the mediums, didn't it? I think you might, I think you've, you've hit the spot there, actually, because I thought it must have been a change in culture that caused the fact... Because it always felt to me, and I could be wrong, it always felt to me that these this newer type of zombie came about because some bloody Hollywood bigwig with a cigar was going, oh, no, kids these days, they're, they're not going to like these shuffling zombies, they're not scary enough. No, we need to make the zombie... It always... I don't know. This is another reason probably why I'm quite uh, apathetic towards them is because it felt a little bit like... um a a a commercial decision almost as if people wouldn't be scared of the old school zombies anymore so so let's let's make them faster and and change ultimately change what they are but who am i to say that doesn't mean there's and also i think i think in 28 days later it's handled very very well and but it's very interesting that danny boyle says not a zombie film um, yeah, I think. I and think to this day, he says it's not a zombie film. But then, it, but then he's thinking that zombies have to be people that come back from the dead, and in twenty-eight days and weeks, they are they, they get infected. They, they get infected, infected, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. 
which gives, uh, which, which makes you think there's that. a cure, or possibly there could be a cure. Yeah, but every other mm. part of the film is essentially a zombie film because to me, a zombie film, and this is where I think the the I, the definition becomes a bit broader. A zombie film isn't just um, about the actual monster that you've got because actually. Um, a lot of the other there's a lot of other themes which are all usually present and common and that is a kind of end of the world apocalyptic scenario um very few people unaffected by it but um strangers banding together maybe not able to trust each other and actually sometimes a lot of the danger comes from the other humans rather than the zombies uh, um, and all of these elements are actually there in 28 Days Later in the same way they're there in Night of the Living Dead. Um, and that, to me, is why 28 Days Later is a zombie film. It might not have Romero zombies in it, uh, and it might not even have people coming back from the dead, but every other generic convention in there, it, you can you can trace the lineage, and you're not telling... It's almost... You're not telling me he didn't watch Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and films like that, and think, right, I'm influenced. That film is so influenced by those it, films. It is, but, but it's, I think there's another kind of Romero film that influences it more, which is The Crazies. I think The Crazies influences yes. 28 Days Later as much as Night of the Living Dead does. You know, it's just it's, people who are infected with something they become these. Is The Crazies that old? I didn't realise that because I've not gone around to the, the Timothy Oliphant one, or was that a remake? Sorry, am I? Uh, yeah, that was a remake, remake of Romero's. Of film. The rem- oh, right, I've not seen that one. Okay, hang on, hang on. I've got it up here. Nineteen seventy-three. Oh, oh goodness me! Right, so before Dawn of the Dead, then. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, but that was just about you know people who get infected by this this like virus thing that just drives them insane. Turns them into mm. these homicidal, uncontrollable, crazy maniacs, and um, yeah, I think that's kind of been more of an influence on Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, I, no, I, I would still say it's a zombie film mm. as well. I think you're right. Everything you've described is elements that make up a zombie film, and that's yeah. that's what it's got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The interesting thing as well, like sort of common ground, I, I made this mistake before of suggesting that uh, I Am Legend is a vampire, is um, a zombie film, and Owen quickly corrected me that it was a vampire film. Although it has a number of the same elements of a lot of zombie films. Though. Well, have you? do you know that Romero, when he was doing Night of the Living Dead, he basically, they wanted to do a, an adaptation of I Am Legend, and mm. he didn't want to sort of directly do it, and because he, he saw I Am Legend as a real allegorical thing about, you know, um, societal ills and, and, and you know, uh, slavery and greed and all sorts of things and, and the idea of one man isolated against, you know, everyone else being plagued by... But they fucked up the Will Smith I Am Legend with the ending completely changing <laughs> completely changing the meaning of the book where in, in the book and probably the earlier film versions of it that I've not seen, he becomes legend to the vampires because he's the one that's going out and killing them all to try and, and capture them to try and do the experiments. Whereas in the Will Smith version, which I actually think Will Smith does a good job of acting in, he's just acting in a very bad film. But they completely change the ending of the film and changing the meaning of what I Am Legend is, which is just irritating as fuck, really. When the when the <laughs> when when the book is actually really good. Yeah, book's fantastic. Yeah, but you have know, you seen the Amiga Man? No, I've not. I've not seen the Amiga Man, oh, but I've, I've seen the I've, Vincent I've, Price one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Last no, I just wondered. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not any... Western, isn't it? In, in the yeah. 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 So, so Romero, anyway, he said um, 
I thought Iron Legend was about revolution. I said, if you're going to do something about revolution, you should start at the beginning. Uh, I mean, Richard starts his book with one man left. Everyone in the world has become a vampire. I said, we got to start at the beginning and tweak it up a little bit. I couldn't use vampires because he did, so I wanted something that would be an earth-shaking change, something that was forever, something that was really at the heart of it. I said, so what if the dead stop staying dead? And the stories are about how people respond or fail to respond to this. That's really all zombies ever represented to me. Yeah, that's nice, actually. And, and he, that... he, he sort of created zombies as we know them. And the whole yeah. thing comes from a vampire book. It's, it's like, it's crazy, like how, and mm. you think about the similarities and things like Frankenstein, that's an undead resurrection kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're all, they're all really interlinked, aren't they? Which I hadn't quite realised until I found that out about Romero and, and oh, where that's that's really interesting, Joe, yeah. And again, they, uh, yeah, I'd, and I think now we've almost come to accept the fact that zombies can come in many different shapes and sizes and even reasons. But yeah, I think I think what Romero's saying is exactly the root of it, the, the kind of earth shattering change to humanity and how the people left deal with it. That is a zombie fit. I think that's that you that's a brilliant quote because that has distilled mm. the essence of, of a zombie film to me completely. I should point out as well that it wasn't just Romero, it was uh, John Russo as well, which I'm yeah. sure Owen will applaud. Um, <laughs> yeah. But basically it was two guys and that, that was okay. that was all of zombie That's culture really as we know. It, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think for me, that really is the right thing because it's all sort of allegorical. Mm. The whole thing and the interesting thing about films like Twenty Eight Days Later is it's like societal breakdown, isn't it? That's yeah. why it's been so influential since. Is because what interests me about zombie films is, is sort of how people react in a complete apocalyptic situation. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's the key. And I think Charlie Higson was talking about that at the festival yesterday, saying, and he said, with apologies to everyone here, he was very, very careful because obviously it was a big zombie fan base. But he said, zombies, there, there's not much to them as villains. He said his, his favourite films have always had brilliant villains. Um, and zombies, you know, there's very little you can do that's new with them unless you kind of create different skills and acts and things like that. But he always said that the main conflict of a great zombie film comes from the survivors uh, every single time. It's about how the survivors are coping and how they maybe can or can't trust each other. And that, I think, is another key element of of a, of a zombie film, full stop, is it's the story of the survivors. It's played out against this background of the undead roaming the earth. Well, we need to move on to Triple Bill, but just before we do that, everyone give one honourable mention to something zombie-related that isn't a film. So, Owen, you can start there. Can I start? Oh, fantastic. I'm going to start with a computer game, okay? It's not... I don't play computer games very much anymore, just like the odd game of FIFA and stuff. I did play the Red Dead zombie game that came out oh, not yeah, too long yeah. ago. But I'm not going to talk about that. That's not the game I want to talk about. The game I want to talk about is something called Zombies, uh, which is also known as Zombies Ate My Neighbours. And if you have a, ever had a Mega Drive or a SNES, it was one of those just fantastic 2D side-scrolling things. With You've got two guys. Uh, it was like a co-op game you could play, so I used to play it with my brother. Just go around with water pistols, shooting zombies. I fucking love that game. Is that wrong with the kid with the, like, Dwayne, um, sort of like, he was like Guile on um, Street Fighter with the big hair? 
Um, he had big hair. He had like three D glasses kind of things on. Yeah, yeah. Hair. yeah. I loved that game. Yeah, it was brilliant. Nice. It was really good fun. Doesn't um, get talked about enough. So there's, that's, nice. that's my nomination. Nice, <laughs> uh, Jerry. Um, also a video game actually, because I think um, the Resident Evil games, as I've talked about, have been hugely influential like across. Um, sort of mediums as well and I think you know they've obviously spawned a lot of films which have made a vast amount of money despite being utterly shit um, <laughs> but you know genuinely they've, they've sort of advanced and innovated a lot of the zombie stuff and there's a whole genre of sort of horror games now that basically came about because of how good Resident Evil was particularly yeah. the first and the second one is so atmospheric and you know it's very much sort of a quiet loud thing going on that's just brilliant mm. they really deserve a good film those games. Those games are fantastic. One that doesn't feature Mila Jovovich. Oh, I've got no problem with Mila Jovovich not wearing much in the film. I just want the film to be better. <laughs> well, I think the problem is that it's just basically like, yeah, she's like, she's like oh, so uh, how can I kick some ass in this film? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. Oh, we, need, we need a film. We don't need you yeah, to just find, find inventive <laughs> ways to do some action shots. Yeah. Just That's set it all inside a mansion and have some crazy, weird zombies in it. That's yeah. all they got to do, isn't it? As long as you haven't got to sit there watching the film and then try and work out what the code is and stuff. Yeah. Make it kind of interactive. That wouldn't be <laughs> fine. Tight, fire ribbons. Yeah. <laughs> James? Yeah. Um, do you know what? I, I thought I was going to be anyone picking a computer game type thing. It goes to show. I think computer games really kind of uh, gave a whole rebirth to the zombie film industry. Mm. I, I think um, the fact that they are so brilliant for computer games and my example is uh, i'm a big fan of the call of duty video game series and every other year a certain studio brings out a call of duty game and um they have did it just started off as a little side game a little zombie side game started off on call of duty world at war which is called zombies and it just had nazi zombies in it and you were stuck in an old house and four of you could join up online and just try it. was just an infinite amount of zombie hordes. It just a bit more difficult each time. And you just got to stay till you just got to keep shooting them. And I remember we played four hours, one game, four hours nonstop, just oh, slight impressive. breaks between the zombie. There's me and a few other lads from the football 365 forum getting drunk, talking about our lives, you know, pouring whiskey. Um, and then playing zombies for four it's a great days. There's days when I didn't have responsibilities and things like that. But the the actual games, and I've just bought the new Black Ops 2, and apparently there's a zombie one on there that I've not had a chance to play yet, so I'm very much looking forward to that. But yeah, I, I, again, computer games just work so well with zombies. If I still live with my mates, I would buy Black Ops 2 purely to play zombies all night like we used to. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's, it's such a social game. <laughs> Um, well, also, I think someone, unless Steve is going to mention it, can we just mention House of the Dead as well? Oh, because yes. House of the Dead games were awesome. Yeah, the arcade ones. Yeah, they were fantastic. Yeah. No, I was going to mention The Walking Dead first, the comic, which is now on about a hundred and three episode editions. Oh, I got a free issue of that with my um. With my goodie back at the fest, uh, festival of zombie culture, so I'm looking forward to. I've never read the comics, so Which, I'm going to sit down and have you, a read of that. If you got number one, or if it, is it? I don't know what it is. It's in a bag somewhere at yeah. the moment. I didn't have a proper look there because there was also a flyer for a Japanese 3D film called Big Tip Zombie. Hmm. 
got distracted, didn't yeah. I? Sorry. But yeah, the Walking Dead comic is a lot better than the TV program. Um, you can buy now the two what they call compendiums, which is the first 90 odd comics in two 40 odd comic edition big books, basically, which are about £30 each off of Amazon. Other bookstores are available. We're not the BBC. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them where it's cheapest. Yeah, so I'd definitely give the comics a go, but the TV series as well in its third series. The first series was only six episodes long. was really good. The second one, many of you might have given up on it because it did drag oh, a I bit. Did. It dragged a bit. It dragged a bit in the middle, but the last few episodes were brilliant, and the third series has just started off at turbo pace and has just gone nuts. So... If you stop watching it, I haven't watched it. Watch that, essentially. So, Triple Bill, then, our favourite... Good recommendation. There we I go. love The Walking Dead. Um, Both the TV series and the, the yeah. Uh, comics. Yeah, I've, I've, I was just saying earlier, before you disappeared, I've got the two compendiums now of big lots of comics in one book. Um, yes, Triple Bill, then. Owen, would you like to go first? Favourite free zombie films. Okay, well, I've already told you what one of them is, and we've already talked about it a little bit anyway, so I won't repeat um, Old Ground, which was Zombie Flesh Eaters by um, Lucio Fulci. Um, so, yeah, I'll move on to my next film, which I really want to talk about, and is possibly my favourite film ever, not just my favourite zombie film. It is, of course, Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Crossover. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad this crossover because it, it deserves to be sort of recognised as a, not just like an iconic film, but also a, re- a really, really good film. Mm. Anyway, not just for like a horror film. It's made on relatively low budget as well, um, which was $114,000, um, which actually seems like quite a lot, I guess. But, um, you know, it's still compared to a lot of blockbusters and it, it's not even anywhere near a million pounds. So it's, you know, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty low. Uh, it's shot all in black and white as well. They tried to save money and they shot it all in black and white, but it's actually made the film a lot better, I think. I have got a copy of it in colour. I was going to say, I, I saw a colourised copy of it at this, uh, available on DVD at this mm. festival yesterday. And I've, I've never seen the colourised version. Have you, have you actually watched it? Is it? Yeah, what, yeah. Is, yeah. It, is it a dec- is it at least doesn't look garish or is it horrible? <laughs> It it looks old, okay? I mean, the colours kind of bleed through the, the lines and it's not a fantastic restoration of like, yeah. the colour images. But it looks okay. But it just looks yeah. a lot better in black. I think a lot of the yeah. impact of it is, is the black and white, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's part of what makes Walking Dead comics so great as well. Everything's in black and white. And yeah, it's, you know, okay. reflective of the story that there's good and there's bad and, you know, it's not shades of grey. So, anyway... Enough about Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we talk- never see them colourise Psycho, would you? It just seems a little bit disrespectful yeah, just, to me. <laughs> it just seems pointless, doesn't it? Yeah. But, you know, oh well, someone must have requested yeah. it and they'd done it, so <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> I was the chump who went out and bought the DVD, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we've talked a little bit before as well on the previous podcast about Romero, who he didn't want to be pigeonholed as a horror director. He made this film and, you know, it spawned all these copycat films and all these, you know, influenced other great films like, uh, the, the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue and stuff like that, you know, where they take a lot of this film and just remake it. 
Uh, still end up with quite a good film. Um, but he didn't want to be a horror filmmaker. He just became this notice, this godfather of zombie films. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until over 10 years later, well, 10 years later, actually, exactly 10 years later, that Dawn of the Dead came. No, it's more than that. 20 years later. Yeah. What about? No. What, what the fuck am I doing? T- 10 years later. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later. So, you know, he wanted to make other kinds of films. His next film was a, a rom-com. So it just goes to show. Yeah. Actually, you know, he, he wanted to vary his style. It's not his fault then everyone demanded he made more horror films. Um, but, you know, he's good at it, so I'm glad he did. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just kind of just forms the basis of the majority of zombie culture as we know it now. You know, like the Living mm. Dead. They talked about Romero zombies. You ask anyone what a zombie is, they'll just describe a Romero zombie. You know, they won't tell you about in, in White Zombie of the 1930s where it's a voodoo guy and... You know, it's it yeah. is just the, the living dead. Um, mm. You know, and it's also mentioned too. It doesn't actually mention zombie in the film. No one ever says the word zombie. It wasn't, no, it was attributed to the film rather than something he kind of created. But um, yeah, and it's really culturally significant as well as kind of partially because of what it did for, for sort of race relations and things. The main character Ben is is an African American. You know, it wasn't. There weren't many films back then that had a male black lead actor. You know, it was no. kind, of, kind of brave and important as well. In, I kind of in cementing it as a, a sort of groundbreaking film. And he's kind um, of the only one with any honour. We talked earlier yeah. about the actually the survivors kind of losing their morals and ending up becoming. In that film, he's literally the only one who you'd want to spend any time with. Yeah, that's right. He's um. He's a great hero for the film. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, but, you know, race has always been kind of an important element of zombie films in general anyway. You know, it's got its roots in kind of Caribbean plantation workers mm-hmm. and, food and stuff. So it's kind of, it took that and then, I don't know whether they actually did that on purpose or not. <laughs> I don't think yeah. they were really expecting the film to be a sort of a, a cult classic or anything, but, you know, they tried to do something with it. I think that's important to acknowledge that and sort of say it was a good move and give them credit for doing that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to just ramble on and on about Night of the Living Dead, even though I, you know, probably could. could so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just kind of wrap it up and say that it's just this awesome film. It's scary. I showed it to my younger brother when he was sort of 13 or 14, invited him round. He was late at night and I sort of put this on and, you know, the, the bits in it that make you jump, they made him jump. Overall, it, it's got a very sort of scary atmosphere to it. Mm. Uh, just right at the beginning, it's, you know, they come in to get you, Bob. It's yes. just, it's so creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah, horribly creepy. Yeah, that, you're right. Even before the zombies really, and that, again, going back to what I love about zombie films is the slow drip, 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 build up, build up of tension and creepiness. And this film does it perfectly. Yeah, it does. It's fantastic. I just love it. Um, you know, it, I, but I will just say it was the, the first time I saw it was this, um, obscure Sky Channel. I can't even remember what it was called. They had this really shitty quality version of it. Mm. Um, the sound was awful, the picture quality, you could just barely make out what was going on. And I just thought, this film looks really shit. I'm not interested in this at all. And I kind of just writ it off as one of those cool classics that I'll never like. Um, <laughs> and then it was only kind of like on subsequent viewings that I kind of appreciated it more and more. And now it's just one of those films that I could watch at least once a year. I just love this mm, film. Yeah. It's probably my favourite film. Um, I'll just move on to my next 
filming. It, I, I could have picked from, you know, any of ten different films for this. I wanted to give some acknowledgement to lesser-known films. You know, I could have chose, um, you know, 28 Days Later mm-hmm. or Dawn of the Dead remake or, you know, mm-hmm. any of, sort of Romero's films. But instead, I went for uh, a Canadian zombie film, which I th- I'm trying to rack my brains whether this has been talked about before, but Pontypool. Um, yeah, I've, I've oh. seen it, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's by a guy called Bruce McDonald, um, who adapted his own novel into a film. He directed the film of sort of an adaptation of his own, his own book. But, is this um, one in the radio studio? It is, yeah. It's basically four employees who work in a local radio station in uh, this small Canadian town of Pontypool. And it follows, the main character is the host of this thing. He's a shock jockey called Grant Mazzy, who's played by Stephen McCatty. Um, It also follows, like, his producer and someone else who works there who's, like, an assistant producer or something like that. Uh, And it features, as well, a character who you never see, you only hear about, which is important because part of the plot is around a virus that's it's just sort of broken out across the world. It's only affecting certain countries. I'm not going to go into which countries and why that is, because that's part of integral to the sort of mystery and the plot. Um, oh, is it? So you have a Canadian friend, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's it's transmitted through blah. And I was, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. That sounds thoughtful. It is. It is a really interesting way. <laughs> I realise it spoiled the film for me. <laughs> well, it kind of it, it builds up to reveal that that's what it is. So it kind of is a little bit of a spoiler to say exactly what's happening. But it's it, it basically, the, the fact that it's a radio station um, is important. Uh, okay, They gradually discover what's spreading the virus, and it's quite an original idea. Some people hate, think it's just absolutely ridiculous. I thought it was quite interesting. I thought it was quite good and quite clever. Um, yeah, and I genuinely think it's a fantastic film. There are a lot of flaws to it. Some of it's just, aside from some elements of this sort of, the actual virus and how it spreads, some of it is just a tad ridiculous, but I'm not going to, again, specify what that is. I'll let people who watch the film either sort of nod in acknowledgement from where they're sitting, um, <laughs> or if you watch it, then you'll, you'll sort of realise what I mean. But the concept is what drives the film, and it is very interesting. I think it's very unique in that sort of way that, we sort of mentioned earlier on how some zombie films just repeat the same formula or the same pattern and this tried to do something a bit different so it's it's very good very clever um it doesn't try to pretend that it's highbrow it doesn't go oh look we've got this amazing new idea that nobody's ever done before you're gonna absolutely love this it doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't have an air of pretension around it um you know, I'm not going to try and lie either and say that the film is one of these 10 out of 10 films because there are flaws. But it's thought-provoking and it, it tries to draw attention to different things. And yeah, in the wider scope of sort of zombie culture, it's it's an interesting film, a really good, well-made film for such a small budget and intelligent. And the acting is refreshingly great in it. I know you were talking, James, about mm. some of the zombie fest the acting is really good especially Stephen McCatty he's he's just great in this I really think he's um it's his best film I've only seen a couple of his films but he's uh yeah fantastic in this and you don't usually get a high, such a high quality with with the acting from these kind of films so yeah, yeah I enjoyed that aspect a lot I definitely seek it out Pontypool it's just um worth watching alone just to see what the, the weird twist is on the virus yeah, okay cool mm. but those are my three films zombie flesh eaters Night of the Living Dead and Pontypool. 
Okay. Amazing you didn't go for black sheep, Owen. Are you amazed, Matt? It's yeah. I didn't. That didn't make my shortlist actually. On on to my list, and I know that I've got crossover on at least one film with at least the other two. Obviously, not with Owen. Um, but the first film I have picked is the original Dawn of the Dead. Great. So close on mine. So close to be yeah, on Yeah, we missed out just. Um, but yeah, it's different to, different to the other two films I've picked in, in many respects, but it's probably the first zombie film that I saw. I don't think I saw, um, Night of the Living Dead first. I don't know why. Maybe it being in black and white put me off when I was younger. I have seen, I have, I have seen it, but you know what I mean. When you're, yeah, you're yeah, younger yeah, yeah. and you don't appreciate films as much, and you think oh, that's in black and white, so I'm not watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. But yeah, it's obviously the group of people who escaped the mall and try and survive a zombie outbreak, zombie holocaust, which carries on from Night of the Living Dead. Um, there, mm. um, but I'm sure Owen can talk about it in much more glowing terms than I can. Uh, yeah, and James as well, sort of one of your favourite films, isn't yeah. it, James? Yeah, yeah, it, it was really, really tough for that, and Night of the Living Dead for me. But I went with, I went with the original. But no, Dawn. Of, I, I think I saw Dawn of the Dead before Night of the Living Dead as well, Steve. To be honest, and I think, yeah, yeah, it, I, yeah I did as well. Yeah. It's um I I love I I just love the shopping mall setting. Um it, it really it really anchors this film. Um but again it's that the brilliance of it is actually they're quite secure. You know, they've got the and even though there's loads of zombies, it's like, no, there's a bit of hope for them there and then some other survivors turn up and it all turns to shit again, basically. And that that is to me the the best part of a zombie film. Um but yeah, and, and obviously, pardon, and the chopper. Oh, and the chopper as well. Yeah. Chopper, very cool. Um, but yeah, just zombies going up and down escalators, and the fact that they come here because they remember that they used to come here all the time, and it's damning indictment of commercialism. I love that as a teenager. Like, yeah, damn the man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 such a fantastic film, uh, and the tone of it is beautiful. I love it, the boobies. It's brilliantly shot, and well, and again, good zombie films should be some boobies in. Come on, let's be honest, you know. But that's, we're not we're not being precious about these things. Best thing you can say about it is that it's like the archetypal inspiration for most of the sort of zombie films mm. that come after, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I th- yeah, yeah that, that's the the one that really kind of cemented set Romero's the... reputation as a zombie filmmaker. Set... And yeah, it's it's influenced so many things. Set a toad for zombie films that followed it. Yes. Mm. I think when people talk about Romero zombies, it's <coughs> this film they're referring to, not Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. I think this is the one that everyone's kind of seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, second on my list is the Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone and Woody Harrelson film, <laughs> Zombieland. Yeah. I've still not seen that. No, it's on my list to watch. I've still not seen it, and I, I'm annoyed with myself. I'll, I'll let um, zombie expert Owen tell you whether to see it or not. <laughs> Are you going to review any of these? <laughs> I am. I just want you to tell those two that haven't seen it to to watch it. Okay. Yeah. 
they should watch it. It is very funny. It, um, I, 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 know, I was I expecting Bill Murray to be... turns up in it, doesn't he? He has a yeah. cameo. Yeah, yeah, cameo. It might be. I like it, it, Harrelson. It, it might be the best cameo I've ever seen. Bill Murray <laughs> one. It is okay. It is Bill Murray playing Bill Murray. Okay. Uh, and it's, you got to love Bill Murray. Yeah, Eddie yeah. Dickinson makes it better. And um, Woody Harrelson is fantastic in it as Tallahassee. In the film, they they don't. I suppose they don't want to get to know each other that well and build an attachment. So they name mm-hmm. it. They they call each other by the names of the place that they're from. So they're called Columbus and Tallahassee and Wichita and Little Rock, rather yeah. than actual the actual okay. proper names. Um, but yeah, the, the thing I like about it as well is that you know Jesse Eisen he doesn't break the fourth wall in his, his character talks to the audience, but there's a sort of narration or voiceover through parts of the film, and there's different rules. There's a there's a group of rules that he's produced that have that you have to abide by to survive the zombie apocalypse, mm-hmm. which is a nice touch and something different to to the other zombie <laughs> films. And then there's there's then there's zombie kill of the week, which is just sort of a little segue into different <laughs> clips, which is also oh, quite okay. good. But yeah, it's it's very funny and um, definitely I don't want, can't talk about it too much because you two haven't seen it. I don't want to spoil it for you. So, but it's a good sequel to Adventureland. Yeah, good sequel to Adventureland. Yes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> set in a theme park at the end, and yeah. And I do love Emma Stone, so, I mean... <laughs> Emma Stone is very lovely. Mm, she is. I didn't realise she was in Zombieland, but I'm definitely going to get that <laughs> sorted. And finally on my list, I know there's crossover here, so it's going to cut the podcast down a bit, because we've gone over an hour already. It is <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, crossover. Yeah, the, the, crossover. The, the, the first ever Zom-Rom-Com, or rom zom yes. Uh, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, which seems to be a pretty potent comedy writing team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, yeah. And it just probably it, it probably sums up, I mean, we can all talk about it because it's on three of our lists, but it kind of, it's probably what you would try and do if it was happening to you now. Yeah. Mm. Everything they do kind of makes sense, but it, it just, just doesn't work. Yeah, no, it's um, they're they're very. It's it's two very kind of everyman. Uh, Simon Pegg is a brilliant everyman. Um, he is Mister Normal, uh, and then uh, Nick Frost is Mister kind of like who we do wish we weren't, but we kind of are a little bit as well. Uh, and yeah, it's it's brilliant. It is exa- you're you're exactly right. If that kind of thing happened. my life would be far more like that than it would be any of the uh, Living Dead films. It would be chaos and running around trying to rescue your mum. And and, and using a cricket bat and records as weapons. Yeah, a cricket bat and records as weapons, exactly right. And just running zombies over like in the car and putting on loud music and yeah. Mm. And there are just so many great, great lines in it. Mm. It's just... I mean, it's, it's it starts off as well with your man on the bus listening to Zombie Nation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, I mean, it's so tongue-in-cheek, but it's just brilliant all the way through. Yeah, you've got music from Dawn of the Dead in there. There's... One of my favourite bits is towards the end where the newsreader says that the government um, 
uh, says that the zombie thing was caused by rage-infected monkeys, but that's a load of... And then it cuts it off. <laughs> it, so it's a load of fucking bollocks or something. Because I know Simon Pegg is also very much a traditionalist when it comes to zombies, because he had a kind of an open, heated discussion in the Guardian newspaper with Charlie Brooker about Charlie Brooker's Dead Set TV series, <clears> because <throat> Charlie Brooker used running zombies, and Simon Pegg... Simon Pegg was not happy about that. <laughs> and I know Simon Pegg and Charlie Brooker had kind of heated words over whether or not Dead Set uh, was uh, a, a zombie um, TV series because the zombies could run. So he's actually, he's even more kind of, what's the word, fundamentalist than I am when it comes to zombies. But there's, there's, uh, there's so many references to everything, pop culture and films, as with yeah. all of the work that they do. And, I'll mention the DVD extras in a minute, but there's even a like, because in the film, Sean's mum's called Barbara, and they shout down the phone to where we're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, which exactly. Is, there's, yeah. there's really, really nice touches like that. But yeah, um, the, the DVD extras... made with such love. The, the DVD extras are brilliant. You've got the trivia track, which I've mentioned before, which goes through sort of every sort of little thing that they mention, every yeah. uh, subtitle at the bottom. And then you've got different kind of you know, post-zombie apocalypse. You've got a thing with T4, which has got Coldplay on it, called Zombaid, about them raising money cause <laughs> yeah. I think, because I think yes. the, the drummer yeah. got infected. Or there's, or there's a, a clip of an episode of Trisha where some woman's still married to her zombie husband. Yes, because they're that, uh, Rob that's the fuller the clip, film. isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, there's, there's, there's a bit of a clip of it in the film. Yeah, there's clip, there's, like there's channel hopping, yeah. stuff. They're channel hopping at the end of the film, and, there's, and yeah. there's all these things on, and they've done sort of extended versions of those on the DVD yeah. extras. It's, you know, it's, it's, it has an awesome soundtrack as well. Brilliant oh, yeah. 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 Wasn't Edgar Wright going out with um, the girl out of... Ash at the time. Charlotte it. I think that's quite possible, actually. I think I heard because it was loads of their new album at the time, I think, that was on it. But yeah, no, it's a great, great soundtrack. A mix of some really good songs and some really good tracks from zombie soundtracks. It's, yeah, it's one of the funniest British films of the last 15 years, easily. And I've just seen that The World's End, the, the final part of the Cornetto trilogy, will as well as starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, have Paddy Constantine and Martin Freeman in it. So, Oh, excellent. That's so, nice. Um, right, Jerry, what's your last two? Well, obviously I went for Shaun of the Dead. Um, the other one I went for, which is one that I'm, I'm sneaking in there. I'm sneaking both of these in, actually, thinking about it. Um, technically, I'm counting it as a zombie film. Evil Dead. Yes. From that yeah. Oh. zombie. Yeah, it's, no. It's about Choice. demonic possession in a way, and it's obviously it's the story of a, a bunch of teenagers who go to an abandoned cabin in the woods and find a book called the Necromicon, which is basically summons demons. And it's a zombie film, you know. It, it's supposed to be demons, but it's, it's zombies. Uh, yeah. It's got Bruce Campbell in it, kicking ass, which is what everyone wants to see. <laughs> yeah, in pretty much every zombie film, Bruce Campbell's not in it. It's a little bit worse than it could have been. <laughs> um, but it, I mean it was fantastically low budget Sam Raimi obviously went up and did like huge budget films like Spider-Man but actually a lot of the innovation that he did was, was sort of the early stuff you know like the, there's some classic uses of camera in it you know the, the opening scene where it's going across a lake which was actually Sam Raimi sat in a dinghy with Bruce Campbell pushing him 
Um, <laughs> there's some fantastic things if you ever read about it, like all the stupid stuff that they did to make it happen. Um, obviously, there's the infamous scene where a woman gets raped by a demonic tree. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> does, doesn't look nice. Um, and, I mean, it's been crazily influential. You know, the whole teenagers going into a cabin in the woods thing is such a cliche that Cabin in the Woods was made to sort yes. of take off the entire horror genre. Yeah, and there's a lot of evil dead in Cabin in the Woods, definitely. But, I mean, it is fantastically scary as well. There's a real sense of, like, claustrophobia and being penned in by this evil force. Um, you know, there's some real tension in there and, and some of the just sort of violent rebirths as well of, of people after they, they die and come back to life. I mean, some of it is, is truly revolting. Now, I haven't seen Evil Dead for a long, long time now. Is there a sense that this is the big, this, what's happening at this cabin is basically the beginning of the end of the world, or does it feel very much like what's happening is only going to happen to these teenagers? It definitely feels like it's just them, and I think that's partly why it works, mm. because it feels like they've just, you know, they it's just them. And they've awoken something in that yeah. area, yeah, okay. And, you know, but I mean, it's possible that they have essentially started the end of the world. You, you get that yeah. feeling like, oh, how can anybody possibly stop it? Mm. You know, but um, it's just it's just superb all around. I suppose by the time you get onto the third one, there is literally army darkness, an yeah. army of darkness. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the medi- is that the one where he goes back to medieval times? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's also fantastic. Well, it is. <laughs> just in case anyone's not seen it. The chainsaw for a hand, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there some some fantastic things about it as well. When I was when I was researching, like um, I did, I'd never realised that Campbell's actually using a real chainsaw. <laughs> that scene it wasn't frightening. Wasn't a prop, and the woman was genuinely terrified. Yeah, because he had a chainsaw to her basically. <laughs> I mean, you would be. Let's be honest. Bruce Campbell was holding a uh, a chainsaw oh, yeah, to Bruce you. Campbell hold anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, on that bombshell. Okay. I mean, it was, yeah, there was, there's, obviously I've said, it was made for a, a thousandth of the cost of Spider-Man 3. Mm. So, you know, Sam Raimi. And it's, it's a thousand times better. Yeah, but it's a fantastically good advert, advert for what you can do on a low budget, yeah. you know. And also the career progression people can do. They can make these yeah. low budget films and if they do well enough, you know, you're going to get some of the most expensive movies in the world. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where zombie films get a bit of a bad reputation, really. It's that lots of people, lots of directors see it's an easy way. There's an, there's an audience for it. You can make mm. it cheaply. It'll make money. Yeah. And then you can progress and make better films from there. And so you get a lot of shit that gets filtered through. Um, yeah. And then like people you say, get... because it, there's an inbuilt audience there, people <laughs> yeah. automatically go and see it. Whereas it's actually, it is still actually a very good testing ground for a director. So you do get some talented directors come out of here and the horror genre in general, A, because you've got to learn how to do something on the cheap. You've got to learn how to make the best use of your resources. But you've also got to understand audience audience expectation and genre convention. Yeah. You've got to be able to tell a story. Um, right. So, yeah, that's what I think that's why certain directors, I think that's why Sam Raimi has gone on to have an amazing career is because he learned a lot of what he knows with the, you know, at the coalface in, in horror and in zombies. And it's the same with people like Wes Craven as well and that kind Peter of thing. Peter Jackson as well, you know. Peter Jackson, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. 
Right, my final choice is a director who did not do that, who actually made uh, three big films, I think, before that. He probably made more than that. was three that I can remember. Four, four I can think of, yeah. Okay, so before this, he made Shallow Grave, made Train Spine, made The Beach. What's the one I'm missing? Uh, um, Life Less Ordinary, which he made after Train Spotting with Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz. Oh, the American film, which yeah. then he came back to Britain, which I think Life Less Ordinary is actually quite underrated. I, I enjoy it. Also with an Ash song in the soundtrack. But um, but yeah, I think it's quite underrated. But yeah, then he came back to Britain and started making more interesting films again. Interesting stroke left field films. And then you're, I'm, I'm joining in here because this is my third crossover. This is the first time we've ever had someone have all of their films be crossover before they've had a chance to speak and I thought that would happen. Yeah, it's 28 days later. There we go. (laughs) Fantastic film. Um, We've talked about it a bit in the earlier sections, obviously, so I won't bore you with it, but basically there's a mysterious virus that sweeps through the UK and ostensibly the world. Um, And obviously 28 days later in the title refers to someone falling asleep or whatever and reawakening 28 days later and finding that they're on their own, you know. And it's, it's all to do with chimps and rage viruses, um, which, I, again, I think is a lot due to Resident Evil. Obviously, it's got its roots mm-hmm. in I Am Legend and stuff, but I think Resident Evil having sort of a weird corporation experimenting and creating things, that, that sort of made that mainstream Yeah, in a way that I Am Legend never managed to. Because I think when, that, when the new I Am Legend film came out, a lot of people didn't know what that was. Mm. they didn't understand the history but anyway it's got some fantastic things with London being totally deserted and incredible visuals as you come to expect from Danny Boyle really and of course it's got running zombies James I know this is the one that I included on my list because Danny Boyle said it wasn't a zombie film and I'm like no it is so much so I'm going to include it on my list and I know it's going to really annoy him uh, because he's the regular listener um, but but everything else about it is zombie film and brilliantly done. And and again, you know, by the end of it, the zombies aren't the, the zombies aren't the real horror. You know, with, don't want to spoil it too much for people who may not have seen it. But actually, you end up being far more disturbed and disgusted by the behaviour of other individuals than you do by these mindless creatures because that that's again that's what they are they don't have a a conscience generally they're they're acting on instinct and it's the people who choose to do certain things that you're actually far more disturbed by um it's also got a fantastic sequence with granddaddy's am 180 which is one of my favorite songs of um that particular era as well so again really good soundtrack and i think a few of the tracks from this have just been used loads. The Kick-Ass uses one of the tracks. A, a few of the kind of the score tracks from this have been used loads in films since. Mm. So the, the, yeah. I was watching the, something not too long ago and there was a, there was a 28 Days Later song about, I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, um, it, so it was really influential in that sense. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and it's uh, yeah, Killian Murphy, great central performance from Killian Murphy. Christopher Eccleston, brilliant. I love seeing Christopher Eccleston on a big screen, actually, when it's not in Gone in 60 Seconds. So it's really nice to see him in a great role. It's just a lovely British film. And that's the other thing. It feels... 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So unique. It so, feels so brilliantly British. Mm, without kind of, not like a Hollywood version of Britain. It feels like no other country could have made this film. And it's not just because it's about zombies, but about the people and the characters. And it shows off Britain's cities and Britain's countryside. And it, it, it's, in a weird way, it's like a love letter to this country. And, for, and, also, and this country's locations. Yeah, it's also about the urban Britain as well. Yes, it's, it's not about just Big Ben and stuff. It's Yeah, you've got proper urban London. Um, right. as well as dead. rural, yeah, and there's there's like empty motorways and stuff. I mean, there's interesting stuff around the production of that. If you if you want to read into it, there's, there's some really good stuff about how they managed to do that. Like they got fit girls to get people to wait while they close roads and things like that. <laughs> you know, fantastic, yeah. clever, and, yes. and they managed to like get the M1 shut to to film on it and stuff. And uh, there's some brilliantly, brilliantly um, well realized shots of cities and urban spaces yeah. and just empty, sort of desolate. Um, Britain, which yeah. has such a true post-apocalyptic feel about it, you can't quite conceive that they've done it with currently existing stuff and it, just managed to set stuff up for it. You I know. know, and again, it, it's just making the best use of your resources, definitely. Um, and it's just something, and it's probably because I live in this country, but near dystopian futures set in Britain just means so much more to me than any other near future films you go. So there's um, films like this, actually films, uh, bits of V for Vendetta, uh, Children of Men, you know, the fact that it's recognisable but so definitely other, um, that really re- plays a key part in my enjoyment of this film. Yeah, I mean, the other good bit about it as well is linked with that, sort of the way they had to capture desolation and they had to be able to set things up quickly. They filmed it on sort of more realistic, I don't know the technicalities, but basically mm. the cameras are, are not as good as they could have been. Yeah. Easier to set up. And so it seems Was it more filmed entirely on video? Um, Is it, was it digital? Was it um, one of the first kind of all digital films? Um, I don't know that far, to be honest. Okay. But I know, I, I remember from watching the extras on the, the DVD that they... They sort of because they had to get the police's cooperation to like film all these empty spaces at sort of odd hours and get people to close roads and things. Yeah, because they had to be able to to shoot like in minutes, basically. Okay. Once the police shut stuff down, they had to be able to get in and film it really, really quickly. They couldn't close a road and then, you know, spend two hours setting everything up and getting all the lighting right and everything. <laughs> so they had to sort of work with what they could and that I think actually makes it a lot more realistic Definitely. it seems a bit more like it's more personal it's more like what the survivors will be experiencing yeah, it's a glitzy version of you know like I Am Legend for instance is very stylized and glitzy yeah that's very naturalistic definitely well James have you got anything to talk about <laughs> no I'll just confirm my three choices yeah. to, be, to be honest I've been able to chip in on everyone else's anyway but yeah my three choices just confirm were George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, um, Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later, and Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. 
There we go. And what's coming up next week? Next week we are reviewing End of Watch, the new film from the writer of Training Day starring Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Michael Peller, which mixes kind of found footage, narrative footage. Uh, looks, looks very interesting anyway. And what's on the website, or will be on the website? On the website this week, we will have... So we've just very recent On Friday, we put up a few articles, including Jerry's latest decade in film, his five favourite films of 2001. Um, there will There is currently now, it's up now, a report on Zombie Fest, if you want to read any more about that and see some links to some films I was talking about earlier. We'll also have a decade in film on 1991 from My Good Wife, Kate Diamond, as well as me moaning about zombies and stuff. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have a bit of a... My weekly column this week is going to be about the evolution of the zombies from shuffling types to running types and how I still think it's entirely due to Hollywood saying that old zombies don't scare kids anymore. And so where, it's just a theory and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> where is the website? Website is failedcritics.com. The Twitter is at failedcritics and Facebook is failedcritic. Uh, no, facebook.com slash failedcritic. There you go. And next week we should have a competition up and running conjoined with Born Offside podcast. That'd be very exciting. Um, uh, so yes, thanks for you three for joining me. Um, thanks for everyone who's listened and downloaded and read anything that we've done. And thanks to Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com for the music. And thanks to Charlie. Oh, thanks to Charlie Hickson. Yeah. Thanks to yeah, Charlie Hickson. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> Basically, when they were out on location, the, the sound quality wasn't recorded properly, so they had to go into a studio and redub it, and it doesn't quite fit sometimes. I'm used to that now. And some of the acting in it is of the melodramatic kind. Um, <laughs> some of the acting is pretty over. And it's also, there's also the brilliant musical cues, which are really close to parody. Like, they'll be walking along, and all of a sudden, kind of thing on the music. Oh, okay, something bad's about to happen. That's, yeah. Um but the reason that this film exists and the reason it's so good is that it has fantastic zombie effects and it has brilliant zombie set pieces, which really is what we're there for. Um, the zombies genuinely look like decomposing corpses. There are, there are some really quite disturbing zombies in this film. And a few modern zombie films seem to think they're a bit of white makeup and some blood on the chin. There you go, there's a zombie. kind of. But no, these look like the decomposing corpses that have been reanimated and come back to life. And that that's really important. And there's also some genuinely horrific scenes in it. And there is one scene which I know, you know, if you've seen it, you know, if I just say it's the worst scene featuring an eyeball since <laughs> Shenandalu, it is just, just horrible. And it made me cringe. Um, but, but it works in the context of the film. Uh, and also... If, if it wasn't enough, there's a zombie fighting a shark in this film <laughs> underwater for about five minutes. <laughs> and, but After it, a sort of na- semi-naked 
yeah, yeah. after a woman goes um, scuba diving topless um, yeah. and gets chased off by a zombie, the zombie <laughs> and the shark have a fight. And it's genuinely a man in zombie makeup fighting with a shark. It's not, it's not like Jaws. It's not, it, there's a man with a shark there and he's trying to bite the shark. It, I, and I was watching and thinking, how the hell did, did they do this? It's brilliant. See, well, it does go on for about five minutes, but I, I loved every second of it. Basically, so, yeah. if you put someone in the water to fight a shark, I think they deserve five minutes of some yes, film time. <laughs> Which have been a bit harsh to make yeah. them actually go and bite a shark and then just have it as a little... So, yeah, we've just... Yeah, we <laughs> yeah we, that's made the cutting room floor now. So, um... Yeah, so that's what I thought of that. And Owen, I know you're a fan of Zombie Flesh Eaters and you were very excited that I was getting to see this. Mm, yeah. Or just... well, it's, it's actually part of my triple bill later. It's a bit of a spoiler okay. for you there. Yeah, because it is one of my favourite zombie films. Um, I, it, it's probably my favourite Fulcher film, although I've not seen too many of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely love it. It's interesting that the first time that I saw it, I wasn't that keen on it. I watched it and I thought the bit on the boat at the beginning with the cops and the, the yeah. zombie, that was brilliant. I loved that bit. And then it has a bit of a lull, the film. Yeah. And it doesn't really kick in again until probably that shark scene, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then it really does go. And it's, it's interesting because it's quite different from a lot of other zombie films because it's a lot of it's set in quite an exotic location and that that's quite rare for a zombie film because it takes you out of like oh what would i do at home but it actually in this for this film it works because you're drawn into the characters there but also there's some brilliant scenes of new york um there's just some really nice iconic scenes at the beginning and the end which just works so well um almost kind of walking dead-esque and i, I really really enjoyed it um Following that, there are a number of short films. And I've put a, I've put a report up on the failcritics.com website with a few links to the short films which are available to watch online. But um, my problem with some of these zombie short films that were being made is that they seem to think that a zombie scene counts as a short film. And it's like, no, I've got... There was one that was vic- called Victorian Dead, Undead, which was t- exactly as you might imagine. It's just zombie scene set in Victorian times. And it looked really yeah, nice. zombies have top hats on. Yeah, one of them did. And massive kind of lamb chop mullet type thing <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. The zombie like, ride a penny farthing and chase after someone. No, they didn't actually. But they looked like a, a stagecoach robbery had taken place or something like that. Um, and it was probably... And it, it did look really good, but essentially I didn't know who the characters were. So I had no... There was no story there. It was like an action scene from a much bigger film. Um, there was also a, a short film made in Loughborough, which I really wanted to like. But again, I said once the zombie bits kicked in, it felt unbelievable. I know I'm talking about a zombie film, but uh, it started off quite promisingly. But if, you, if you're going to have zombies, the makeup needs to look good and it needs to be believable. Uh, that, that's the problem. One I did see, which was fantastic, which really did remind me of the that first series of Walking Dead that I watched, which was called, it's called Velvet Road, um, and it's set in kind of the racially charged US South of the 1960s, and it's exploring race amongst a zombie apocalypse. It's just a 12-minute film, beautifully blue, beautifully shot, really does owe a debt to um, Walking Dead, but that if you ever get a chance to watch that, I'd definitely recommend that. Um there was a short film called Smush from the team behind Deadheads, Owen. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. we actually talked about it on here. Was, was ah, okay, it I think Steve so. Steve who watched it? 
Or was he going to watch it? I can't remember. Which one's that, sorry? But anyway, yeah. Deadheads. Um, the sort of road trip zombie comedy thing. No, I've not seen that. Uh, okay. There's a character called Cheese in that film, and apparently, the, like, I've still not seen it, but this is like a kind of origin story or something of Cheese. But it was actually a really sweet film of a little girl um, befriending a zombie and feeding him, and then he comes to arrest. It was it was a really nice, uh, nice one actually. The other short one I want to mention is a four part web series called Bumbloods. I don't know if you've heard of that, Owen. No, what's it called? Bumbloods. Bumbloods. One word, B-U-M-B-L-O-O-D-S. Uh, it's a four-part web series. And it's I just probably very... won't be Googling that, actually. Bumbloods. Not a work, no. No. <laughs> no. It's, I'll tell you what, I've linked to it on my okay. look on Great. there. Um, but yeah, it's it's actually quite Shaun of the Dead-esque. It's about two roommates. It's American, but it's about two roommates who are dealing with a zombie apocalypse. Uh, very low budget. And a few of the jokes are really poor and telegraphed, but there's a few really genuinely great jokes in there. And each episode is only about three or four minutes long. So that's definitely worth a look as well. Um, then there was the first ever Israeli zombie film called Muralim, which was also a, a zombie in the style of Shaun of the Dead. And it's the story of an army, um, army base gardener, who is the son of a war hero, who has to face down a horde of zombie soldiers during Passover, um, while trying to win the heart of his high school sweetheart, who uh, also works at the army base. Really funny, and also an exploration into how the military can poison the minds of soldiers into becoming a homogenous group of mindless beings who follow orders without question. So very deep. Um, <laughs> After that was a new British zombie film called Before Dawn, which is directed by and starring uh, Dominic Brunt, who, if you've ever seen Emmerdale, is Paddy the Vet in Emmerdale, which shocked me. Because um, I, I have, I know who he is. Kind of like, you know how <laughs> some people kind of seep into your subconscious, and I may well have seen him at some point on TV. But um, him and his real-life wife, uh, came up with the story and spent a year trying to get the funding for it. It's a really nice film, actually. looks beautiful. It's set in the uh, Yorkshire Moors. It's about a couple who go away to a cottage for the weekend. They're an estranged couple with kids, and they're like, having one last go at getting their marriage to work. And she goes out for a run one morning while they're there and um, gets bitten by a, a running zombie. Uh, this was my first issue but we'll come on to that. But it gets bit by a zombie and basically slowly becomes a zombie. Um, and it's this whole thing about how, as a couple, they were growing further apart and he's now trying to get closer to her now that she's been bitten by a zombie. It's, it's actually quite <laughs> really depressing at times. There's not a lot of outright humour in it. Um, and to be honest, some of the action scenes are both directed and edited with a bit of a lack of experience in how to do action. They're a bit confusing. But as a film, I, I, I liked it. It was, it, was, it was definitely one that I was happy I'd watched. Um, and later on, I'll come on to the whole kind of running zombies versus Romero zombies. My, my main issue in this film, and this film is indicative of why I'm not a fan of running zombies. I'm not saying they're not zombies. But um, my problem is that this woman got... Uh, attacked by one running zombie and for me the the peril and the terror in a zombie film comes from the fact that you can beat one or two of them um but it's that slow uh, yeah as they build up and build up 
and then you get overwhelmed by like a hundred of them. That's the terror for zombies for me. So running zombies kind of like it's almost like they they miss out all the build up and the potential hope of beating the zombies go straight to the fact well if one can kill me then one or a hundred doesn't really matter but with Romero style zombies one or a hundred does matter does that make sense Owen? Uh, yeah <laughs> I mean <laughs> yeah sorry I, I'm talking to you as the resident zombie expert obviously I, zombie. <laughs> and I know that I know yes, that I approve you your comment James you, yes thank you but <laughs> I also know that you actually liked the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake and you haven't mm. got a problem with running zombies at all no, I How's mean, that? no, not particularly. Yeah. No, I haven't got anything against them specifically. I think it's the kind of one of these things that's just the next evolution of how zombies are used. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't always been Romero zombies. Before no. Romero zombies, there were zombies, you know? It's kind of just like... Do, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just grown into something different. Um, uh, we, yeah, we'll, di- we'll discuss that later on in the pod. But... Um, then Charlie Higson came and talked to us about his series of books called The Enemy. And he actually started off by saying that he feels a fraud because in his books, they're not strictly zombies because they are um, adults who have been affected by a disease. All adults in the world have been affected by a disease. And it's just children left who are unaffected. And then he went on to talk about how the kind of the church of zombies has become a much broader church. And it's come to mean human beings acting almost in a, a on mass in an irrational way in an apop- apocalyptic setting. So he's come to take it from that. But he, had, like, he talks about his kids. He writes his books for his kids. He's got, his youngest is 10. He and must he must be terrified of puberty if it's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once you get puberty, that's it. You're a zombie. That's it. Yeah. Well, that was one, th- that was actually a really good point he made. He was talking about, he goes around to do lots of, um, school. He does lots of, um, readings at schools and like, libraries with young people and stuff like that because he also wrote the young james bond series as well before Mm. this and he was talking about how horror is actually a genderless genre in terms of the fact that teenage girls and teenage boys both enjoy horror and will read horror but sometimes different genres he's talking about how all these girls uh the 13 14 they want to meet and like go out with a vampire because of, you know, they've seen Twilight and they think that all these 150 year old men who look like teenagers, um, yeah, are ones to go for. And he said, actually, no, you're going to fall in love with a teenage boy who is smelly, brainless, <laughs> shuffles. So you're going to fall in love with, a, you're going to end up going out with a zombie. So he was saying, uh, teenage girls want a vampire and they end up going out with zombies, which I thought was quite a nice little touch. Um, then next up, I got really excited about this, the uh, Esker trilogy. It's a British anthology of zombie stories with a linking narrative arc. Um, and the first 10 minutes was beautifully shot, set in the woods, um, set in a kind of near future apocalyptic end of world vision where there's a man out in the woods who is carting dead people from the road to his compound and burning them. Uh, and a mysterious traveller comes along and he's carrying a book. And that book, he says, is stories to inspire people, stories about the end of the world that have happened, things that he's seen to inspire people to, to stick together and work together. And then it goes on to show three of the stories. Now, the big problem with this film, it's made for £15,000 and it must have at least 50 speaking parts in it. They had to get 
some really poor actors in to <laughs> film some of these. And honestly, some of the acting is. Uh, uh, have any of you seen The Apprentice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, like that that week in The Apprentice, where they have to make an advert. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the acting's kind of like in those adverts at times, uh, which really ups. Because I can. I can put up with a lot of things. I, I will forgive a lot of things in a low-budget film, especially a low-budget film which has got a lot of ambition. I'll put up with poor lighting, um, some poor equipment, maybe even poor sound at a push, but poor acting. I, it, it just draws me out of the film completely. I just sat there thinking, no, this is terrible. This is like a school project or something. And I felt so bad because the director came on, introduced it, um, they had like 700 people involved with the filming of it from the local communities who just wanted to help make a film, which is all well and good. But if it's shit, then, you know, what's, what have people been putting their effort into? I just felt really bad because the beginning and end looked fantastic. It's just every time someone opened their mouth, it ruined it for me. And there were some really nice ideas, but compared to Before Dawn, which I watched earlier, where they probably had a very similar budget. They didn't mention how much it was, but they stuck to two or three main speaking parts in just two locations, basically. Then they they focused their money on that and make it thought, well, let's make that look as good as possible. Um, So the problem with the Escatrilli, it tried to do too much and it ended up taking far too many shortcuts. And the music was like out of... uh, I can only assume it must have been inspired by something like Hellraiser 5 or 6. You know, <laughs> it, it was it was like terrible 80s synth music, but like without the John Carpenter-esque flashes of genius to it. Oh, it's bad, unfortunately. And then um, the Blu-ray, they were showing it on stock loads towards the end. So um, someone had to go up and explain what quite happened at the end because we couldn't see it, which didn't help either. Mm. But I, at that point, I was like, do you know what? I don't really care. Uh, and then finally, for me, because I, I was I was pushing twelve hours at this point, so I watched the fifth film. I didn't go and watch the sixth film, but I watched Gangsters, Guns and Zombies, which sounds terrible. It's a low budget film. It's basically Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels meets Twenty Eight Days Later. It's derivative. It's unoriginal. But do you know what? I actually really laughed at it. Um, there's some genuinely funny lines, some entertaining and sympathetic characters. Well, the best thing in the world by a long shot. But it didn't take itself too seriously. And it made me laugh at about 10 o'clock at night. And that, considering I started there at 11 o'clock in the morning, that is no small feat. Sadly, I had to forego Cockneys versus Zombies. Um mm. I know I really want to see it, but at this point it was about quarter past 11 at night and there was a couple of things. And, okay, I don't want to insult anyone who likes horror films and things like that, but why do... It was a, it was a minority, but a large minority, just stank. Okay. <laughs> Owen, why do okay. you stink? I try and imitate the dead. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so many people in clothes that hadn't been. I just, so I was surrounded by a, a, a couple, but a couple with an overpowering smell. Also, the fact that the place had been open since 10 o'clock in the morning and the bar had been open since then meant during Gangsters, Guns and Zombies, people were actively heckling the screen. And I thought, I'm not going to enjoy Cockneys versus Zombies if these people have had yet more to drink so that was a little bit of a shame and a slight downer towards the end but 
a number of people have told me Pockneys versus Zombies is actually pretty good uh, and and very good fun. So I am going to get it on DVD when I can. But overall, I I really enjoyed the the Zombie Culture Festival, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go back there next year definitely. Yeah, I'm very jealous. Mm. I want it to come to Oxford. There doesn't seem to be much in the way of zombie culture in Oxford. Do you know what? Just come and stay with me next time, Owen. I'll, I'll come down to Leicester. I'll come up to Leicester. He does smell it right in flesh, though. <laughs> you yeah, I'll bring check. some clean clothes. All right, then. That's fair enough. I'll have my yearly shower. <laughs> right then, James. What's next, then? Um, yeah, well, it's just because this is a zombie special. Uh, and I thought... Uh, and it's quite interesting because while Owen was offline reconnecting earlier, uh, Jerry told me, asked me if he could have a particular choice uh, for his triple B. And I said, yeah, I've already got it, even though its director says it's not a zombie film. So Owen already knows what I'm talking about here. Um, but then but I've been thinking because I am I have been I've been a bit harsh to the, the running zombies over our time on this podcast. Um, last week we spoke about the World War Z trailer and I, it didn't look like a zombie trailer to me. It looks like an end of the world apocalyptic trailer. doesn't look very representative of the book and it didn't feel like necessarily like a zombie trailer. So I just wanted to see what we'll... Let's have, I have a nice little roundtable discussion on what zombies actually mean to us. What is a zombie film? Okay. Because as Owen said earlier, zombies have a kind of history in voodoo and Romero's zombies of coming back from the dead. That was actually quite a, if I understand it right, I mean, that was quite a new idea at the time. Um, sort of. I mean, there were, there were previous ones before then, I guess like, um, one of the more well-known ones would be plan nine from outer space, the Ed Wood film, where right. they were yep. resurrected dead, but it would, the, the whole idea of this resurrection, um, of course comes, that's been around for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but it could, I mean, this, it, with regards to kind of like zombie films, it comes from a lot of the science fiction um, and alien kind of okay, yeah. films that were around at the time. So it was all affected by radiation. It was the mm. environment that was causing them. And they were coming back from the dead because of like aliens or because it was like parasites and radiation and all kinds of different environmental things as well. Um, so it has been around for a long time. But the, the Romero zombies were different in that it was kind of like just a faceless horde of dead things mm. so when i mean just to compare it to like the, the really corny zombies in uh, uh plan nine from outer space yeah. you know that was they were people that was bella lugosi who well it wasn't bella lugosi because he was dead it was a stand-in but it yeah. was like people dressing up in and they were they were characters that turned into zombies you know they were people you saw as part of the narrative and then they were turned into these undead creatures. So, I mean, it was one of the first that actually just decided, well, like, these are just corpses that have risen from the graves. The first shot, of course, in Night of the Living Dead, which is his first film, is on like a graveyard with yeah. a you know, dead guy walking around. So, yeah, it, it, well, I suppose it was fairly unique rather than new. Mm. Yeah, and a unique kind of twist on it. And it became the... Now, uh, the, the trademark Romero zombie mm. became probably for a few decades the zombie. Uh, that if you said zombie to anyone, you know, the whole brains, musty brains, kind of the shuffling, mm -hmm. um, that, that was your typical zombie. When, when did, was, was the remake of Dawn of the Dead the first kind of running zombies or 28 days later, I suppose, you know, 
But yeah, 28, 28 days later. Post, yeah. post 2000, we didn't really have running zombies until the last decade then or so. Is that, would that be fair? Yeah, and none that sort of spring to mind. I, I can't really think of any particularly, in the same kind of crazed, yeah. fast, you know, menacing sort of zombies. You get different sorts of zombies. So in things like um, uh, Reanimator, for example, mm, yeah. the zombies are different. They're not Romero zombies. And you've got mm. things like Brain Dead, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. And even the Night of the Living Dead remake, they're not just these slow, shuffling you know, only have very basic memories of stuff. So, you know, they, they smash, like in Night of the Living Dead, they smash the car lights with a rock, you know, mm. so that's showing some kind of sophistication, I guess. Yeah. But they do get more, as it goes on, even in, actually, in um, in Romero's own Dead series, you know, by mm. Day of the Dead, they are pretty much in control of their own actions, almost. Right, they just yeah. on instinct, but con- a bit more control. So, yeah, but the, I think you're right in the, like 28 days later. It was the first one I could think of where they're actually just these really fast uh, cannibals, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think part of that as well, um, it's got something to do with gaming because Resident Evil, uh, mm. the old Resident Evil games had like different types of zombies, didn't they? Yeah. And one of them was like some stupidly fast crawly thing, what they call yeah. it. Yeah, and that sort of the change of speeds was used in the game as like a dynamic, really. You know, you're used to these shuffling zombies and suddenly you've got something that flies around really quick. And I think that, yeah. that filtered through eventually into sort of other mediums, didn't it? I think you might, I think you've, you've hit the spot there, actually, because I thought it must have been a changing culture that caused the fact, because it always felt to me, and I could be wrong, it always felt to me that these, this newer type of zombie came about because some bloody Hollywood bigwig with a cigar was going, oh no, kids these days, they're, they're not going to like these shuffling zombies, they're not scary enough. No, we need to make the zombie. It always, I don't know, this is another reason probably why I'm quite uh, apathetic towards them, is because it felt a little bit like, um, a, a a commercial decision almost, as if people wouldn't be scared of the old school zombies anymore. So, so let's let's make them faster and and change ultimately change what they are. But who am I to say that doesn't I mean there's a, and also I think tw- I think in twenty eight days later it's handled very very well and but it is very interesting that Danny Boyle says it's not a zombie film. Yeah, um, I think I and think to this day he says it's not a zombie film. But then, it, but then he's thinking that zombies have to be people that come back from the dead, and in twenty-eight days and weeks they are they, they get infected, they get infected, aren't they? Yeah, yeah which gives, uh, which, which makes you think there's a cure, or possibly there could be a cure. Yeah, but every other mm. part of the film is essentially a zombie film. Because to me, a zombie film, and this is where I think the the, I, the definition becomes a bit broader, a zombie film isn't just um, about the actual monster that you've got. Because actually, um, general, a lot of the other, there's a lot of other themes which are all usually present and common, and that is a kind of end-of-the-world apocalyptic scenario. Um, very few people unaffected by it. But, um, strangers banding together, maybe not able to trust each other. And actually, sometimes a lot of the danger comes from the other humans rather than the zombies. 
Um, and all of these elements are actually there in 28 Days Later in the same way that they're there in Night of the Living Dead. Um, and that, to me, is why 28 Days Later is a zombie film. It might not have Romero zombies in it, uh, and it might not even have people coming back from the dead, but every other generic convention in there, it, you can you can trace the lineage, and you're not telling. It's almost you're not telling me he didn't watch Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and films like that, and think right, I'm influenced. That film is so influenced by those it, films. It is, but but it's, I think there's another kind of Romero film that influences it more, which is The Crazies. I think The Crazies influences Twenty Eight yes. Days Later as much as Night of the Living Dead does. You know. It's just people who are infected with something, they become these homicidal It's the craziest that old, I didn't realise that, because I've not gone around to the, the Timothy Oliphant one, or was that a remake, sorry, am I... Uh, yeah, that was a remake, remake of Romero's film. Of the rem- oh, right, I've not seen um, that one, okay. Hang on, hang on, I've got it up here, 1973. Oh, oh, goodness me, right, so before Dawn of the Dead then? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, but that was just about, you know, people who get infected by this, this like, virus thing that just drives them insane, turns them mm. into these homicidal uncontrollable crazy maniacs and um yeah i think that's kind of been more of an influence on 28 days later mm-hmm. but oh, yeah okay. no, I, I would still say it's a zombie film mm. as well i think you're right everything you've described is elements that make up a zombie film and that's yeah. that's what it's got <laughs> you know yeah. the interesting thing as well like sort of common ground i i made this mistake before of suggesting that uh, i am legend is a vampire is um, a zombie film and owen quickly corrected me that it was a vampire film Although yeah. it has a number of the same elements of a lot of zombie films. Though. Well, have you? do you know that Romero, when he was doing Night of the Living Dead, he basically they wanted to do a, an adaptation of I Am Legend, and mm. he didn't want to sort of directly do it, and because he, he saw I Am Legend as a real allegorical thing about, you know, um, societal ills and, and, and you know, uh, slavery and greed and all sorts of things, and, and the idea of one man isolated against, you know, everyone else being plagued by... But they- Fucked up the Will Smith I Am Legend with the ending completely changing, <laughs> completely changing the meaning of the book. Where in in the book and probably the earlier film versions of it that I've not seen, he becomes legend to the vampires because he's the one that's going out and killing them all to try and, and capturing them to try and do the experiments. Whereas in the Will Smith version, which I actually think Will Smith does a good job of acting in, he's just acting in a very bad film. But they completely changed the ending of the film and changing the meaning of what I Am Legend is, which is just irritating as fuck, really. When the <laughs> when the when when the book is actually really good. Yeah, book's fantastic. Yeah, but you have know, you seen the Amiga Man? No, I've not. I've not seen the Amiga Man, oh, but I've, I've seen the I've, Vincent I've, Price one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, now I just wondered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dark Destin, isn't it? In the yeah. 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 So, so Romero. Anyway, he said. Um, I thought I Am Legend was about revolution. said, if you're going to do something about revolution, you should start at the beginning. Uh, I mean, Richard starts his book with one man left. Everyone in the world has become a vampire. I said, we got to start at the beginning and tweak it up a little bit. I couldn't use vampires because he did, so I wanted something that would be an earth-shaking change, something that was forever, something that was really at the heart of it. I said, so what if the dead stop staying dead? And the stories are about how people respond or fail to respond to this. That's really all zombies ever represented to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's nice, actually. And, and he, that, he, he sort of created zombies as we know them. And the whole yeah. thing comes from a vampire book. It's, it's like, it's crazy, like how, and mm. you think about the similarities and things like Frankenstein, that's an undead resurrection kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're all, they're all really interlinked, aren't they? Which I hadn't quite realised until I found that out about Romero and, and oh, where that's that's really interesting, Joe, yeah. 
And again, they, uh, yeah, I, and I think now we've almost come to accept the fact that zombies can come in many different shapes and sizes and even reasons. But yeah, I think, I think what Romero's saying is exactly the root of it. The, the kind of earth shattering change to humanity and how the people left deal with it. That is a zombie fit. I think that's, that you're, that's a brilliant quote because that has distilled mm. the essence of, of a zombie film to me completely. I should point out as well that it wasn't just Romero, it was uh, John Russo as well, which I'm yeah. sure Owen will applaud. Um, <laughs> yeah. But basically it was two guys and that, that was all okay. of zombie that's culture. Really as we tell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think for me, that really is the right thing because it's all sort of allegorical. The whole thing, and the interesting thing about films like 28 Days Later is it's like societal breakdown, isn't it? That's yeah. why it's been so influential since. It's because what interests me about zombie films is, is sort of how people react in complete apocalyptic situations. Yeah, yeah, and that that's the key. And I think Charlie Higson was talking about that at the festival yesterday, saying, and he said, with apologies to everyone here, he was very, very careful, because obviously it was a big zombie fan base, but he said, zombies, there, there's not much to them as villains he said his the his favorite films have always had brilliant villains um and zombies that you know there's very little you can do that's new with them unless you kind of create different skills and acts and things like that but he always said that the main conflict of a great zombie film comes from the survivors uh, every single time it's about how the survivors are coping and how they maybe can or can't trust each other and that I think is another key element of of a of a zombie film. Full stop. Is it's the story of the survivors. It's played out against this background of the undead roaming the earth. Well, we need to move on to Triple Bill, but just before we do that, everyone give one honourable mention to something zombie related that isn't a film. So Owen, you can start there. Can I start? Oh, fantastic! I'm going to start with. The- computer game okay it's not i don't play computer games very much anymore just like the odd game of fifa and stuff i did play the red dead zombie game that came out oh, not yeah, too long yeah. ago but i'm not going to talk about that one that's not the game i want to talk about the game i want to talk about is something called zombies uh which is also known as zombies ate my neighbors and if you have a, ever had a mega drive or a snes it was one of those just fantastic 2D side-scrolling things with you got two guys. Uh, it was like a co-op game you could play. So I used to play it with my brother. Just go around with water pistols, shooting zombies. I fucking love that game. I used to that, spend. Is that wrong with the kid with the like Dwayne? Um, sort of like he was like Gale on um, Street Fighter yeah. with the yeah. big hair. Um, yeah, big hair. He had like 3D glasses, kind of things on. Yeah, him. big yeah. hair. Yeah, I loved that game. Yeah, it was brilliant. Nice. It was really good fun. Um, I get talked about enough, so that's, that's, no. that's my nomination. No. <laughs> uh, Jerry? Um, also a video game, actually, because I think um, the Resident Evil games, as I've talked about, have been hugely influential like, across um, sort of mediums as well. And I think, you know, they've obviously spawned a lot of films which have made a vast amount of money despite being utterly shit. <laughs> um, but, you know, genuinely, they've, they've sort of advanced and innovated a lot of the zombie stuff. And there's a whole genre of sort of horror games now that basically came about because of how good Resident Evil was. Particularly yeah. the first and the second one is so atmospheric and, you know, it's very much sort of a quiet, loud thing going on that's just brilliant. Mm. They really deserve a good film. 
those games. Those games are fantastic. One that doesn't feature Mila Jovovich. So, I've got no problem with Mila Jovovich not wearing much in the film. I just want the film to be better. <laughs> well, I think the problem is that it's just basically like, yeah, she's like, she's like, oh, so uh, how can I kick some ass in this film? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. We, need, we need a film. We don't need you yeah. to just find, find inventive <laughs> ways to do some action shots. Yeah. Just That's set it all inside a mansion and have some crazy, weird zombies in it. That's yeah. all they got to do, isn't it? As long as you haven't got to sit there watching the film and then try and work out what the code is and stuff. Yeah. Make it kind of interactive. That wouldn't be... Fire <laughs> type, fire ribbons. Yeah. <laughs> James? Yeah. Um, do you know what? I, I thought I was going to be anyone picking a computer game type thing. It goes to show... I think computer games really kind of... Uh, gave a whole rebirth to the zombie film industry. Mm. I, I think um, the fact that they are so brilliant for computer games, and my example is uh, I'm a big fan of the Call of Duty video game series, and every other year a certain studio brings out a Call of Duty game, and um, they have did the, it just started off as a little side game, a little zombie side game. It started off on Call of Duty World at War, which is called Zombies, and it just had Nazi zombies in it, and you were stuck in an old house, and four of you could join up online and just try. It was just an infinite amount of zombie hordes, it just a bit more difficult each time, and you just got to stay till you just got to keep shooting them. And I remember we played four hours, one game, four hours nonstop, just oh, slight impressive. breaks between the zombie there's me and a few other lads from the football 365 forum getting drunk talking about our lives you know pouring whiskey um and then playing zombies for four it's a great days the days when i didn't have responsibilities and things like that but the the actual games and i've just bought the new black ops 2 and apparently there's a zombie one on there that i've not had a chance to play yet so i'm very much looking forward to that but yeah i, I again Computer games just work so well with zombies. If I still live with my mates, I would buy Black Ops 2 purely to play zombies all night like we used to. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's it's such a social game. <laughs> um, well, Also, I think someone, unless Steve is going to mention it, can we just mention House of the Dead as well? Um, because yes. House of the Dead games were awesome. Yeah, the arcade ones. Yeah, they were fantastic. Yeah. No, I was going to mention The Walking Dead. First, the comic. Uh, which is now on about 103 episode editions. Oh, I got a free issue of that with my um with my goodie back at the fest, uh, festival of zombie culture. So I'm looking forward to. I've never read the comics, so Which, I'm going to sit down and have you, a read of that. If you got number one, or if it, is it? I don't know what it is. It's in a bag somewhere at okay. the moment. I didn't have a proper look there because there was also a flyer for a Japanese 3D film called Big Tip Zombie. Mm. Got distracted, didn't yeah. I? Sorry. But yeah, the Walking <laughs> Dead comic is a lot better than the TV program. Um, you can buy now the two, what they call compendiums, which is the first 90 odd comics in two 40 odd comic edition big books, basically, which are about £30 each off of Amazon. Other bookstores are available. We're not the BBC, we don't care. <laughs> Tell them where it's cheapest. Yeah, so I'd definitely give the comics a go, but the TV series as well, in its third series. The first series was only six episodes long, was really good. The second one, many of you might have given up on it because it did drag oh, a I bit. Did. It dragged a I bit. It dragged a bit in the middle, but the last few episodes were brilliant, and the third series has just started off at turbo pace and has just gone nuts. So 
if you stop watched it, I haven't watched it. Watch that, essentially. So triple bill then, our favourite. Good recommendation. There we I go. love The Walking Dead. Um, both the TV series and the the yeah. uh, comics. Yeah, I've, I've, I was just saying earlier before you disappeared. I've got the two compendiums now of big lots of comics in one book. Um, yes, triple bill then. Owen, would you like to go first? Favourite free zombie films? Okay, well, I've already told you what one of them is, and we've already talked about it a little bit anyway, so I won't repeat um, Old Ground, which was Zombie Flesh Eaters by um, Lucio Fulci. Um, so, yeah, I'll move on to my next film, which I really want to talk about, and is possibly my favourite film ever, not just my favourite zombie film. It is, of course, Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Crossover. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad this crossover because it, it deserves to be sort of recognised as a, not just like an iconic film, but also a, re- a really, really good film. Mm. Anyway, not just for like a horror film. It's made on relatively low budget as well, um, which was $114,000, um, which actually seems like quite a lot, I guess. But, um, you know, it's still compared to a lot of blockbusters and it, it's not even anywhere near a million pounds. So it's, you know, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty low. Uh, it's shot all in black and white as well. They tried to save money and they shot it all in black and white, but it's actually made the film a lot better, I think. I have got a copy of it in colour. Well, I was going to say, I, I saw a colourised copy of it at this, uh, available on DVD at this mm. festival yesterday, and I've, I've never seen the colourised version. Have you, have you actually watched it? Is it? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Is, is it a decent, is it at least doesn't look garish or is it horrible? <laughs> It it looks old, okay? I mean, the colours kind of bleed through the, the lines and it's not a fantastic restoration of like, yeah. the colour images. But it looks okay. But it just looks yeah. a lot better in black and white. It just seems looks to look I think a lot of the yeah. impact of it is, is the black and white, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's part of what makes Walking Dead comics so great as well. Everything's in black and white. And yeah, it's, you know, okay. reflective of the story that there's good and there's bad and, you know, it's not really shades of grey. So, anyway enough about Walking Dead um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we talk- never see them colourise Psycho would you it just seems a little bit disrespectful yeah, just, to me <laughs> it just seems pointless doesn't it yeah but you know oh well someone must have requested yeah. it and they've done it so <laughs> never mind um, <laughs> I was the chump who went out and bought the DVD so yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we've talked a little bit before as well on the previous podcast about Romero who he didn't want to be pigeonholed as a horror director he made this film and, you know, it spawned all these copycat films and all these, you know, influenced other great films like uh, the, the Living Dead and the Manchester Morgue and stuff like that, you know, where they take a lot of this film and just remake it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still end up with quite a good film. Um, but he, he didn't want to be a horror filmmaker. He just became this, known as this godfather of zombie films. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until over 10 years later, well, Ten years later, actually, exactly ten years later, that Dawn of the Dead came. No, it's more than that. Twenty years later. No, what what the fuck am I doing? Ten years later. (laughs) (laughs) Ten years later. So, you know, he wanted to make other kinds of films. His next film was a a rom-com. So it just goes to show, actually, you know, he he wanted to vary his style. It's not his fault. Then everyone demanded he made more horror films. but, you know, he's good at it, so I'm glad he did. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just kind of, just forms the basis of the majority of zombie culture as we know it now. You know, like the Living mm. Dead. They talked about Romero zombies. You ask anyone what a zombie is, they'll just describe a Romero zombie. You know, they won't tell you about in, in 
white zombie of the 1930s where it's a voodoo guy and you know it's <laughs> it yeah. is just the, the living dead um mm. you know and it's also mentioned it doesn't actually mention zombie in the film no one ever says the word zombie it wasn't no it was attributed to the film rather than something he kind of created but um yeah and it's really culturally significant as well as kind of partially because of what it did for, for sort of race relations and things the main character ben is is an african-american you know it wasn't there weren't many films back then that had a male black lead actor you know it was no. kind, of, kind of brave and important as well in kind of in cementing it as a, a sort of groundbreaking film and he's kind um, of the only one with any honor and we talked earlier yeah. about the actually the survivors kind of losing their morals and ending up becoming... In that film, he's literally the only one who you'd want to spend any time with. Yeah, that's right. He's um, he's a great hero for the film. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, but, you know, race has always been kind of an important element of zombie films in general anyway. You know, it's got its roots in kind of Caribbean plantation workers mm-hmm. and, food and stuff. So it's kind of... It took that and then... I don't know whether they actually did that on purpose or not. <laughs> I don't think yeah. they were really expecting the film to be as sort of... A, a cult classic or anything but you know they tried to do something with it I think that's important to acknowledge that and sort of say it was a good move and give them credit for doing that but um, yeah I mean I don't want to just ramble on and on about Night of the Living Dead even though I you know probably could, could so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just kind of wrap it up and say that it's just this awesome film it's scary I showed it to my younger brother when he was sort of 13 or 14 invited him round he was late at night and I sort of put this on and you know the, the bits in it that make you jump, they made him jump. Overall, it, it's got a very sort of scary atmosphere to it. Uh, just right at the beginning, it's, you know, they're, they're coming to get you, Bob. It's, yes, it's, just, it's so creepy. Um, yeah. yeah, horribly creepy. Yeah, that, You're right, even before the zombies really... And that, again, going back to what I love about zombie films is the slow drip, 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 build mm. up, build up of tension and creepiness. And this film does it perfectly. Yeah, it does. It's fantastic. I just love it. Um, you know, it, I, it, but I will just say it was the, for the first time I saw it was this, um, obscure Sky Channel. I can't even remember what it was called. They had this really shitty quality version of it. Mm. Um, the sound was awful. The picture quality, you could just barely make out what was going on. And I just thought this film looks really shit. I'm not interested in this at all. And I kind of just writ it off as one of those cool classics that I'll never like. Um, and then it was only kind of like on subsequent viewings that I kind of appreciated it more and more. And now it's just one of those films I could watch at least once a year. I just love this mm, film. Yeah. It's probably my favourite film. Um, I'll just move on to my next film then. It, I, I could have picked from, you know, any of 10 different films for this. I wanted to give some acknowledgement to lesser known films. You know, I, I could have chose. Um, you know, 28 Days Later mm. or Dawn of the Dead remake or, you know, any of sort of Mero's films. But instead I went for uh, a Canadian zombie film, which I th- I'm trying to rack my brains whether this has been talked about before, but Pontypool. Um, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's by a guy called Bruce McDonald um, who adapted his own novel into a film. He directed the film of sort of an adaptation of his own, his own book. But, Is this um, one in the radio studio? It is, yeah. It's basically four employees who work in a local radio station in uh, this small Canadian town of Pontypool. And it follows... Mo- main, the main character is uh, the host of this thing. He's a shock jockey called Grant Mazzy, who's played by Stephen McCatty. Um, 
it also follows like his producer and someone else who works there who's like an assistant producer or something like that uh and it features as well a character who you never see you only hear about which is important because part of the plot is around a virus that's it's just sort of broken out across the world. It's only affecting certain countries. I'm not going to go into which countries and why that is, because that's part of integral to the sort of mystery and the plot. Um, oh, is it? So you have a Canadian friend, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's it's transmitted through blah. And I was, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Sounds thoughtful. It is. It is a really interesting way. <laughs> I realise it spoiled the film for me. <laughs> well, it kind of it, it builds up to reveal that that's what it is. So it kind of is a little bit of a spoiler to say exactly what's happening. But it's it, it basically, the, the fact that it's a radio station um, is important. Uh, okay, They gradually discover what's spreading the virus, and it's quite an original idea. Some people hate, think it's just absolutely ridiculous. I thought it was quite interesting. I thought it was quite good and quite clever. Um, yeah, and I genuinely think it's a fantastic film. There are a lot of flaws to it. Some of it's just, uh, aside from some elements of this sort of, the actual virus and how it spreads, some of it is just a tad ridiculous, but I'm not going to, again, specify what that is. I'll let people who watch the film either sort of nod in acknowledgement from where they're sitting, um, <laughs> or if you watch it, then you'll, you'll sort of realise what I mean. But the concept is what drives the film, and it is very interesting. I think it's very unique in that sort of way that, we sort of mentioned earlier on how some zombie films just repeat the same formula or the same pattern and this tried to do something a bit different so it's it's very good very clever um it doesn't try to pretend that it's highbrow it doesn't go oh look we've got this amazing new idea that nobody's ever done before you're going to absolutely love this it doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't have an air of pretension around it um you know i'm not going to try and lie either and say that the film is one of these 10 out of 10 films because there are flaws. But it's thought-provoking, and it, it tries to draw attention to different things. And, yeah, in the wider scope of sort of zombie culture, it's it's an interesting film, a really good, well-made film for such a small budget and intelligent. And the acting is refreshingly great in it. I know you were talking, James, about mm. some of the zombie fest. The acting is really good, especially Stephen McCarthy. He's, he's just great in this. I really think he's... Um, it's his best film. I've only seen a couple of his films, but he's, uh, yeah, fantastic in this. And you don't usually get a high, such a high quality with, with the acting from these kind of films. So, yeah, yeah I enjoyed that aspect a lot. I definitely seek it out. Pontypool. It's just um, worth watching alone just to see what the, the weird twist is on the virus. Oh, okay, cool. Mm. But those I... are my three films. Zombie I... Flesh Eaters, Night of the Living Dead and Pontypool. Okay. Amazing you didn't go for Black Sheep, are you? Are you amazed, <laughs> Matt? <laughs> Uh, it's yeah. I didn't. That didn't make my shortlist actually. <laughs> uh, on on to my list, and I know that I've got crossover on at least one film with at least the other two. Obviously, not with Owen. Um, but the first film I have picked is the original Dawn of the Dead. Great. So close on mine. So close to be. Yeah, I missed out just. Um, but yeah, it's different to. Different to the other two films I've picked in, in many respects, but it's probably the first zombie film that I saw. I don't think I saw, um, Night of the Living Dead first. I don't know why, but maybe it being in black and white put me off when I was younger. I have seen, I have, 
I have seen it, but you know what I mean. When you're yeah. you're yeah, younger yeah, yeah. and you don't appreciate films as much, and you think oh, that's in black and white, so I'm not watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. But yeah, it's obviously the group of people who escaped the mall and try and survive uh, a zombie outbreak, zombie holocaust, which carries on from Night of the Living Dead. Um, there, mm. um, but I'm sure Owen can talk about it in much more glowing terms than I can. Uh, yeah, and James as well, sort of one of your favourite films, isn't yeah. it, James? Yeah, yeah it, it was really, really tough for that and Night of the Living Dead for me, but I went with I went with the original. But no, Dawn, of, I, I think I saw Dawn of the Dead before Night of the Living Dead as well, Steve, to be honest. And I think, yeah. Yeah, it, I, yeah I did as well. Yeah. It's um I I love I I just love the shopping mall setting. Um it, it really it really anchors this film. Um but again it's that the brilliance of it is actually they're quite secure. You know, they've got the and even though there's loads of zombies, it's like, no, there's a bit of hope for them there and then some other survivors turn up and it all turns to shit again, basically. And that that is to me the the best part of a zombie film. Um but yeah, and, and obviously, the pardon, and the chopper. Oh, and the chopper as well. Yeah. The chopper, very cool. Um, but yeah, just zombies going up and down escalators, and the fact that they come here because they remember that they used to come here all the time, and it's damning indictment of commercialism. I love that as a teenager. But yeah, damn the man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 such a fantastic film, uh, and the tone of it is beautiful. I love it, the boobies. It's brilliantly shot, and well, and again, good zombie films should be some boobies in. Come on, let's be honest, you know. But that's, we're not we're not being precious about these things. Best thing you can say about it is that it's like the archetypal inspiration for most of the sort of zombie films that mm. come after, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I th- yeah, yeah that, that's the the one that really kind of cemented set Romero's the... reputation as a zombie filmmaker. Set... And yeah, it's it's influenced so many things. Set a tone for zombie films that followed it. Yes. Mm. I think when people talk about Romero zombies, it's <coughs> this film they're referring to, not Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. I think this is the one that everyone's kind of seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, second on my list is the Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Woody Harrelson film, <laughs> Zombieland. Yeah, I've still not seen that. No, it's on my list to watch. I've still not seen it, and I, I'm annoyed with myself. I'll, I'll let um, zombie expert Owen tell you whether to see it or not. <laughs> Are you going to review any of these? I am. I just want you to tell those two that haven't seen it to to watch it. Okay. Yeah, they should watch it. It's very funny. It, um, I, 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 know, I was I know expecting Bill Murray to be... turns up in it, doesn't he? He has yeah. a cameo. Yeah, yeah, cameo. It might be. It might be the best cameo I've ever seen Bill Murray one it is okay. it is Bill Murray playing Bill Murray okay uh, yes. and it's, you got to love Bill Murray yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, Woody Harrelson is fantastic in it as Tallahassee in the film they they don't I suppose they don't want to get to know each other that well and build an attachment so they name mm. it they, they call each other by the names of the place that they're from so they're called Columbus and Tallahassee and Wichita and Little Rock, rather yeah. than actual, actual okay. proper names. Um, but yeah, the, the thing I like about it as well is that, you know, Jesse Eisenberg, he doesn't break the fourth wall 
in his, his character talks to the audience, but there's a sort of narration or voiceover through parts of the film, and there's different rules. There's a there's a group of rules that he's produced that have that you have to abide by to survive the zombie apocalypse, mm-hmm. which is a nice touch and something different to to the other zombie <laughs> films. And then there's there's then there's zombie kill of the week, which is just sort of a little segue into different <laughs> clips, which is also oh, quite okay. good. But yeah, it's it's very funny and um, definitely. I don't want, can't talk about it too much because you two haven't seen it. I don't want to spoil it for you. So, but it's a good sequel to Adventureland. Yeah, good sequel to Adventureland. Yes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> set in a theme park at the end, and yeah. And I do love Emma Stone, so, I mean... <laughs> Emma Stone is very lovely. Mm, she is. I didn't realise she was in Zombieland, where well, I'm definitely going to get that <laughs> sorted. And finally on my list, I know there's crossover here, so it's going to cut the podcast down a bit, because we've gone over an hour already. <laughs> it is <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, crossover. Yeah, the, the, crossover. The, the, the first ever Zom-Rom-Com, or Rom-Zom-Com. Yes. Uh, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, which seems to be a pretty potent comedy writing team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, yeah. And it just Go probably it, it probably sums up, I mean, we can all talk about it because it's on three of our lists, but it kind of, it's probably what you would try and do if it was happening to you now. Yeah. Mm. Everything they do kind of makes sense, but it, it just, just doesn't work. Yeah, no, it's um, they're they're very. It's, it's two very kind of everyman. Uh, Simon Pegg is a brilliant everyman. Um, he is Mister Normal, uh, and then uh, Nick Frost is Mister kind of like who we do wish we weren't, but we kind of are a little bit as well. Uh, and yeah, it's it's brilliant. It is exa- you're you're exactly right. That kind of thing happened. Uh, my life would be far more like that than it would be any of the uh, Living Dead films. It would be chaos and running around trying to rescue your mum. And, and, and using yeah, it's, a cricket bat and records as weapons. Yeah, yeah. cricket <laughs> bat and records as weapons, exactly right. And just running zombies over like in the car and putting on loud music. And yeah, mm. and, oh, it's just, and there are just so many great, great lines in it. Mm. it just, it's just... I mean, it's, it's it a starts off as well with your man on the bus listening to Zombie Nation. Yes. Mm. And it's just, it, I mean, it's so tongue-in-cheek, but it's just brilliant all the way through. Yeah, you've got music from Dawn of the Dead in there. There's... One of my favourite bits is towards the end where the newsreader says that the government um, uh, uh, says that the zombie thing was caused by rage-infected monkeys, but that's a load of... And then it cuts it off. <laughs> it's, it's a load of fucking bollocks or something. Because like I know Simon Pegg is also very much a traditionalist when it comes to zombies, because he had a kind of an open, heated discussion in the Guardian newspaper with Charlie Brooker about Charlie Brooker's Dead Set TV series, because mm. Charlie Brooker used running zombies, and Simon Pegg... Simon Pegg was not happy about that. <laughs> and I know Simon Pegg and Charlie Brooker had kind of heated words over whether or not Dead Set uh, was uh, a, a zombie um, TV series because the zombies could run. So he's actually, he's even more kind of, what's the word, fundamentalist than I am when it comes to zombies. But there's, there's, <laughs> there's so many references to everything, pop culture and films, as with yeah. all of the work that they do. And 
I'll mention the DVD extras in a minute, but there's even a like because in the film, Sean's mum's called Barbara, and they shout down the phone to where we're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, which <laughs> exactly. Is, yeah. It's, it's really, really <laughs> nice touches like that. But yeah, um, the, the DVD it's ex- made with such love. The, the DVD extras are brilliant. You've got the trivia track, which I've mentioned before, which goes through sort of every sort of little thing that they mention, every yeah. uh, subtitle at the bottom. And then you've got different kind of you know, post-zombie apocalypse. You've got a thing with T4, which has got Coldplay on it, called Zombade, about them raising money, cause yeah. I think, because I think yes. the drummer yeah. got infected. Or there's, or there's a, a clip of an episode of Trisha where some woman's still married to her zombie husband. Yes, because that's uh, that, the fuller oh, clip, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, there's, there's, there's a bit of a clip of it in the film. Yeah, there's clip, put, there's, like, there's channel hopping. Yeah. stuff. They're channel hopping at the end of the film, and there's, yeah. and there's all these things on, and they've done sort of extended versions of those on the DVD yeah. extras. It's, you know, it's, it's, it has an awesome soundtrack as well. Brilliant yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. Wasn't Edgar Wright going out with um, the girl out of... Ash at the time. Charlotte, how I think that's quite possible, actually. I think I because it was loads of their new album at the time, I think, that was on it. But yeah, no, it's a great, great soundtrack. A mix of some really good songs and some really good tracks from zombie soundtracks. It's, yeah, it's one of the funniest British films of the last 15 years, easily. And um, I've just seen that The World's End, the, the final part of the Cornetto trilogy, will as well as starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, have Paddy Constantine and Martin Freeman in it. So, Oh, excellent. That's so, nice. Um, right, Jerry, what's your last two? Well, obviously I went for Shaun of the Dead. Um, the other one I went for, which is one that I'm, I'm sneaking in there. I'm sneaking both of these in, actually, thinking about it. Um, technically, I'm counting it as a zombie film. Evil Dead. Yes. From that, yeah. Yeah, zombie. yeah no. It's about choice. demonic possession in a way, and it's obviously it's the story of a, a bunch of teenagers who go to an abandoned cabin in the woods and find a book called the Necromicon, which is basically summons demons. And it's a zombie film, you know. It, it, it's supposed to be demons, but it, it's, it's zombies. Uh, yeah. It's got Bruce Campbell in it, kicking ass, which is what everyone wants <laughs> to see. Yeah, in pretty much every zombie film, Bruce Campbell's not in it. It's a little bit worse than it could have been. <laughs> uh, but it, I mean it was fantastically low budget Sam Raimi obviously went on and did like huge budget films like Spider-Man but actually a lot of the innovation that he did was, was sort of the early stuff you know like the, there's some classic uses of camera in it you know the, the opening scene where it's going across a lake which was actually Sam Raimi sat in a dinghy with Bruce Campbell pushing him um, <laughs> there's some fantastic things if you ever read about it like all the stupid stuff that they did to make it happen um, obviously, is the infamous scene where a woman gets raped by a demonic tree. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> it does, doesn't look nice. Um, and I mean, it's been crazily influential. You know, the whole teenagers going into a cabin in the woods thing is such a cliche that cabin in the woods was made to sort yes. of take off the entire horror genre. Yeah, and there's a lot of evil dead in Cabin in the Woods, definitely. But I mean, it is fantastically scary as well. There's a real sense of like claustrophobia and being penned in by this evil force. Um, you know, there's some real tension in there, and, and some of the just sort of violent rebirths as well of, of people after they they die and come back to life. I mean, some of it is, is truly revolting. 
Now, I haven't seen Evil Dead for a long, long time now. Is there a sense that this is the big, this, what's happening at this cabin is basically the beginning of the end of the world? Or does it feel very much like what's happening is only going to happen to these teenagers? It definitely feels like it's just them. And I think that's partly why it works. Mm. Because it feels like they've just, you know, they, it's just them. And they've awoken something in that yeah. area. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, but I mean, it's possible that they have essentially started the end of the world. You do get that yeah. feeling like, oh, how can anybody possibly stop it? Mm. You know, but um, it's just it's just superb all around. I suppose by the time you get onto the third one, there is literally army darkness, an yeah. army of darkness. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the medi- is that the one where he goes back to medieval times? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's also fantastic. It know, is. <laughs> just in case anyone's not seen it. The chainsaw for a hand, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there some some fantastic things about it as well. When I was when I was researching, like um, I did, I never realised that Campbell's actually using a real chainsaw. <laughs> that scene it wasn't frightening. Wasn't a prop, and the woman was genuinely terrified. Yeah, because he had a chainsaw to her throat, basically. <laughs> I mean, you would be. Let's be honest. Bruce Campbell was holding a uh, a chainsaw I bet Bruce to Campbell you. Campbell hold anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, on that bombshell. Okay. I mean, it was, yeah, there was, there's, obviously I've said, it was made for a, a thousandth of the cost of Spider-Man 3. Mm. So, you know, Sam Raimi. And it's, it's a fantastic. thousand times better. Yeah, but it's a fantastically good advert, advert for what you can do on a low budget, yeah. you know. And also the career progression people can do. They can make these yeah. low budget films and if they do well enough, you know, you're going to get some of the most expensive movies in the world. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where zombie films get a bit of a bad reputation. Really, it's that lots of people, lots of directors see it's an easy way. There's an there's an audience for it. You can make mm-hmm. it cheaply. It'll make money, yeah. and then you can progress and make better films from there. And so you get a lot of shit that gets filtered through. Um, yeah, and then like people you say get... because it, there's an inbuilt audience there, people <laughs> yeah. automatically go and see it. Whereas it's actually it is still actually a very good testing ground for a director. So you do get some talented directors come out of here and the horror genre in general, A, because you've got to learn how to do something on the cheap. You've got to learn how to make the best use of your resources. But you've also got to understand audience audience expectation and genre convention. Yeah. You've got to be able to tell a story. Um, right. So, yeah, that's what I think that's why certain directors, I think that's why Sam Raimi has gone on to have an amazing career is mm. because he learned a lot of what, he knows with the, you know, at the coalface in, in horror and in zombies. And it's the same with people like Wes Craven as well. And that kind Peter of thing. Peter Jackson as well, you know. Peter Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. My final choice is a director who did not do that. Who actually mm. made, uh, three big films. I think before that, he probably made more than that was three. That I can four, four I can think of. Yeah. Okay. So before this, he made shallow grave, made train spine, Made the beach. What's the one I'm missing? Uh, um, Life less ordinary, which he made after Train Spotting with Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz, oh, the American film. Which yeah. then he came back to Britain, which I think Life less ordinary is actually quite underrated. I I enjoy it. Also with an Ash song in the soundtrack, but um, but yeah, I think it's quite underrated. But yeah, then he came back to Britain and started making more interesting films again, interesting stroke left field films, and then. You're, I'm, I'm joining in here because this is my third crossover. This is the first time we've ever had 
someone have all of their films be crossover before they've had a chance to speak, and I thought that would happen. Yeah, it's 28 Days Later. There we go. (laughs) Fantastic film. Um, We've talked about it a bit in the early sections, obviously, so I won't bore you with it, but basically there's a mysterious virus that sweeps through the UK and ostensibly the world. Um, And obviously 28 Days Later in the title refers to someone falling asleep or whatever and reawakening 28 Days Later and finding that they're on their own, you know. And it's, it's all to do with chimps and rage viruses, um, which, I, again, I think is a lot due to Resident Evil. Obviously, it's got its roots mm. in Iron Legend and stuff, but I think Resident Evil having sort of a weird corporation experimenting and creating things, that, that sort of made that mainstream Yeah, in a way that Iron Legend never managed to. Because I think when, that, when the new Iron Legend film came out, a lot of people didn't know what that was. Mm. They didn't understand the history. But anyway, it's got some fantastic things with London being totally deserted and incredible visuals, as you come to expect from Danny Boyle, really. And, of course, it's got running zombies, James. I know. This is the one that I included on my list because Danny Boyle said it wasn't a zombie film. And I'm like, no, it is so much so. I'm going to include it on my list. And I know it's going to really annoy him because uh, he's the regular listener. Um, but... But everything else about it is zombie film and brilliantly done. And and again, you know, by the end of it, the zombies aren't the, the zombies aren't the real horror. Yeah, you know, with don't want to spoil it too much for people who may not have seen it. But actually, you end up being far more disturbed and disgusted by the behaviour of other individuals than you do by these mindless creatures. Because that that's again that's what they are. They don't have a a conscience, generally, they're, they're acting on instinct, and it's the people who choose to do certain things that you're actually far more disturbed by. Um, it's also got a fantastic sequence with Granddaddy's AM180, which is one of my favourite songs of um, that particular era as well. So, again, really good soundtrack, and I think a few of the tracks from this have just been used loads. Of, the Kick-Ass uses one of the tracks. A, a few of the kind of the score tracks from this have been used loads in films since. Mm. So the, the, yeah. I was watching the, something not too long ago and there was a, there was a 28 Days Later song about, I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, um, it, so it was really influential in that sense. Um, and, and yeah, and, and it's uh, yeah, Killian Murphy, great central performance from Killian Murphy. Christopher Eccleston, brilliant. I love seeing Christopher Eccleston on a big screen, actually when it's not in Gone in 60 Seconds. So it's really nice to see him in a great role. It, it's just a lovely British film. And it, that's the other thing. It feels so unique. It so, feels so brilliantly British. Mm, kind of Not like a Hollywood version of Britain. It feels like no other country could have made this film. And it's not just because it's about zombies, but about the people and the characters. And it shows off Britain's cities and Britain's countryside. And it, it, it's... In a weird way, it's like a love letter to this country and, for, it's and, also, and this country's locations. Yeah, it's also about the urban Britain as well. Yes, it's, it's not about just Big Ben and stuff. It's Yeah, you've got proper urban London um, right. as well as dead. rural. Yeah. And there's there's like empty motorways and stuff. I mean, there's interesting stuff around the production of that. If you, if you want to read into it, there's, there's some really good stuff about how they managed to do that. Like they got fit girls to get people to wait while they close roads and things like that. Which is, you know, fantastic, yeah. clever. 
and, yes. and they managed to like get the M1 shot to, to film on it and stuff. And uh, there's some brilliantly, brilliantly um, well realized shots of cities and urban spaces yeah. and just empty, sort of desolate um, Britain, which yeah. has such a true post apocalyptic feel about it. You can't quite conceive that they've done it with currently existing stuff and just managed to set stuff up for it. I know, and again, it's just making the best use of your resources, definitely. Um, And it's just something, it's probably because I live in this country, but near dystopian futures set in Britain just means so much more to me than any other near future films you go. So there's um, films like this, actually films, bits of V for Vendetta, uh, Children of Men, you know, the fact that it's recognisable but so definitely other um, that really re- plays a key part in my enjoyment of this film. Yeah, I mean, the other good bit about it as well is linked with that sort of the way they had to capture desolation and they had to be able to set things up quickly. They filmed it on sort of more realistic, I don't know the technicalities, but basically mm. the cameras are, are not as good as they could have been. Yeah. Easier to set up. And so it seems Was it more filmed entirely on video? I, is it, was it digital? Was it I, one of the first kind of all digital films I, I don't know that far to be honest okay. but I know I, I remember from watching the extras on the, the DVD that they they sort of because they had to get the police's cooperation to like film all these empty spaces at sort of odd hours and get people to close roads and things yeah because they had to be able to, to shoot like in minutes basically okay. once the police shut stuff down they had to be able to get in and film it really really quickly they couldn't close a road and then you know, spend two hours setting everything up and getting all the lighting right and everything. <laughs> so they had to sort of mm. work with what they could. And that, I think, actually makes it a lot more realistic. Definitely. It seems a bit more like, it's more personal. It's more like what the survivors will be experiencing. Yeah, it's a glitzy version of, you know, like I Am Legend, for instance, is very stylized and glitzy. Yeah, that's very naturalistic, definitely. Well, James, have you got anything to talk about? <laughs> No, I'll just confirm my three choices. To be be honest, I've been able to chip in on everyone else's anyway. But yeah, my three choices, just to confirm, were George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, um, Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later, and Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. There we go. And what's coming up next week? Next week, we are reviewing End of Watch, the new film from the writer of Training Day, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Michael Penner, which mixes kind of found footage, narrative footage. Uh, looks, looks very interesting anyway. And what's on the website, or will be on the website? On the website this week, we will have... So we've just very recent On Friday, we put up a few articles, including Jerry's latest decade in film, his five favourite films of 2001. Um, there will, there is currently now, it's up now, a report on Zombie Fest. If you want to read any more about that and see some links to some films I was talking about earlier, we'll also have a decade in film on 1991 from my good wife, Kate Diamond, as well as me moaning about zombies and stuff. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have a bit of a, my weekly column this week is going to be about the evolution of the zombies from shuffling types to running types and how I still think it's entirely due to Hollywood saying that old zombies don't scare kids anymore. And so where, it's just a theory and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> where is the website? 
website is failedcritics.com. The Twitter is at failedcritics. And Facebook is failedcritic. Uh, no, facebook.com slash failedcritic. There you go. And next week, we should have a competition up and running conjoined with Born Offside podcast. That'd be very exciting. Um, uh, so yes, thanks for you three for joining me. Um, thanks for everyone who's listened and downloaded and read anything that we've done. And thanks to Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com for the music. And thanks to Charlie. Oh, thanks to Charlie Hickson. Yeah. Thanks to Charlie yeah, Hickson. Good on Charlie. <laughs>